get it going. It's time to get up. Armia ahead for Toffoli in alone to the forehead. He scores. Second shorthanded goal of the game for the Canadians. Gip dropped probably four to five goals in this league. If you give up chances that are gifts, you're going to lose bad. We did that tonight. These guys are here to break it all down. Armia's got a concussion, so definitely uh, uh, there was contact with the with the head. So I think the referee's got it right. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. You play to win the game. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. Although after watching that one last night, you might want to stay in bed here on this Friday, January 22nd. What's happening, everybody? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here, Perry Silkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. We are absolutely loaded for bear. Lots to get to. Connor McGregor back inside the cage this weekend. We'll talk to Ariel Hawani in a few minutes. It's Championship Sunday in the NFL. We'll try to get you paid in both the AFC and the NFC Championship games with Steve Rapp from uh, Sports Interactions Inside the Lines. We've also got Ron McClain dropping by in an hour. Uh, we've got Renault Lavoie, one of the best hockey insiders in the business, joining us on our Canucks commute as well. And the JCC Sports Dinner, the RBC JCC Sports Dinner, obviously doing it virtually this year because we're in a freaking pandemic. But they are making a major announcement coming up at 7.30 this morning, announcing their Jack Diamond Award winner. And, man, I'll tell you, this is a name that hits home for a lot of us here in this market. Pair, let's dive into what happened first things first last night, and that was the Vancouver Canucks. Just if you thought that there were things trending in the right direction for this team with that 6-5 win back on Wednesday night, Thursday night, it all came crashing down in what was just an absolutely awful, a dog's breakfast performance by the Vancouver Canucks at home last night. I'm glad we have such a busy show because maybe we can avoid it because uh, <laughs> yeah. there's almost no reason to talk about them. I'm just watching the shift, the final shift that Pierre-Luc Dubois had, and I don't know had, who had more intensity. The three minutes that he played in, with Columbus and the Tort said watch the rest of the game or what the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks did. Uh, I don't know if I have seen a hockey team collectively been that bad, not only physically, but mentally on the decisions that they have made. And James, you knew going into this game, you got three guys who have no NHL experience on the blue line. It was going to be a tall order, but that means the rest of the guys who are making good money, who have NHL experience, try and help out a little bit. And they were the cause of the problem. How do you give up shorthanded goals like that? How do you continue to give up the chances? Winning masks problems. There were some issues on Wednesday night, but they outscored it. Other than Bo Horvat ready to go, and I'll put Brock Besser in that category, everybody else missing in action. And for the first time, I think in a few years, you saw a head coach through a Zoom that's just pissed off and almost wondering, how are we straightening this out right now? Because I don't think they straighten it out tomorrow night to finish off this series. And you better hope you're better than the Ottawa Senators, because if you don't, you go back to what Chris Hagan said, eh, you know, I wonder if some teams in the NHL want to prove that we were not a fraud. Right now, they look nothing like that hockey team that was in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, you, I think Vancouver at this point can only hope that what we saw from Ottawa last night getting spanked by Winnipeg and who are already undermanned themselves as well, that that team shows up on Monday night for uh, for the Canucks because, man, here's what here's what I found really frustrating. You know, you talk about an undermanned blue line core, and, hey, I get it. Injuries are going to happen, and that's the hand that the Canucks are dealt with, right? But to me, just the lack of inspiration – 
from the Canucks last night when things were kind of going south. The lack of okay, so the lack of pushback outside the Myers hit, which actually proved to be costly. And you know, does he get suspended or not? We'll get to that in moment mm-hmm. in a moment. But look at that! Look at that Josh Anderson goal last night, where he comes flying in on a rebound for the Montreal yeah. Canadiens, and there's absolutely zero hustle from three Vancouver Canucks who all are on cruise control. You know how we all sit there and put our vehicles on cruise control when we're going for a Sunday drive? That's what three Vancouver Canucks were doing on a beautiful scoring chance on a breakaway first off, and nobody gets to that puck except Josh freaking Anderson who goes in and bats it home. And you're going, where is everybody? You got a guy who's on a breakaway, and you still got beat by the second half player who got to the net quicker than three other guys. It they was didn't ridiculous. Show it that much, but they were in full on glide. They were not taking a stride. It was JT Miller and it's Adam Gaudet. And you are so right. And if you watch the one angle, once they get past the blue line, it's stride. I'm trying to make sense of it. And I wonder if, listen, imagine if there's 18,000 people in there. There'd be a chorus of booze. Like, what are you guys doing? It's terrible. And as good as they were in the bubble, we thought, you know what? These guys are treating it like a tournament. They're a bunch of kids that may work in their favor and work against the, the older guys like the St. Louis Blues. And now I'm going, man, have you not been able to switch the button? That Yeah, there's no one watching these games. But when you're cruising around like that, when you're playing like it's a shinny game and that's how they look defensively, like they've got some serious issues, Jim, and I'm not sure how they fix it. I mean, the Louis Erickson six million albatross has been there forever. My goodness, Tyler Myers can line up right by me. Hey, hey, Louis, when you're done, I'll got this. They're still going to give me six. He was awful. He wasn't alone. But man, when you get called out by a coach for maybe being immature, uh, it may be the lowest moment that Travis Green and the most disappointing he's been in this hockey team. And I don't know how he fixes it because you don't have practice time. And I don't know if these guys are smart enough right now to figure it out by looking on a film. It's almost like a kid, do it again, do it again, do it again. And if you can't, then the result may be the same again tomorrow night. You know, I, I, the one thing I'll go back to what you're saying there, one thing I would take issue, I like the way Myers has competed this year. I Gotta like how he competed. No, no, I, and I, I understand. But look, the one penalty he took for bowling over Nick Suzuki in front of the net, I, I, to me, I mean, I thought okay. that was a little. That, I thought that was a little ticky tack. I mean, that's just a big guy. You know, Myers is six seven. Nick Suzuki's five ten, five eleven. Like, I mean, like the hit on Armia. That's one that the time of the game. It's like where was that ten minutes ago, right? I mean, that sort of that sort of mindset. I get that, but for the most part, I like how Myers has competed. Now, do I think that Tyler Myers should be playing twenty four minutes a game? No, and that's where you start ex- overextending guys who are playing outside of the box or, or outside of their comfort zone. But, but Pear, I, I look at this season. you got Horvat and Besser who have a combined nine goals on the year. If somebody told me that after six games, Brock Besser and Bo Horvat would have nine combined goals, I would not have predicted this team to have only two wins. Fair enough. They've been their best players. Gold differential, the only team that's worse is the only team that hasn't won. It's the Chicago Blackhawks. Ugh. And you have to look at the standings and go, where are you going to correct this? But you're right. Bo Horvat, Brock Besser are there to compete. And, you know, whether number 40 wants it or not, Pedersen was garbage again. Pedersen yeah. is looking like a guy who's been down in the minors and is now getting an opportunity on the big team because there's a vacancy in the top six. My goodness, to make that pass at the blue line, 
Like I understand it. And I'll say this, when you're as good and as talented as he is to leave the Swedish league, to come to the NHL, to score in your first shift, he has never seen any muddy waters. This is the first time I'm going to guess in his life that he cannot figure things out on the ice. And this is where we're going to see where he's made of everybody. And Bo Horvat gave a long answer defending him. And Bo Horvat has been there where he can't score. And we'll see. And I will bet that he will break out of it at some point. But you can't hide him anymore. He has not been anywhere near good enough and creating absolutely nothing on a five-on-five situation, as is this hockey team. Like, you got the win on Wednesday, James. But honestly, where did you go? I mean, you know, you, you scored power play goals. But where have you gone with quality chances to see uh, the Canucks, they could have put it away? They've not created anything five-on-five. Except for opening night, right? You have five even strength goals, and outside of that, it uh, no, it hasn't been there. And, and that's, you know, look, I think we all want to root for Petey, right? I think everybody wants to root for Patterson from what we've seen the last couple of years. But it's been five straight games now for a guy that everybody collectively looks at and says, oh, he's an elite player. He's an elite player. He's the furthest thing right now from an elite player. And it's been five games. Like, Pear, we're, we're talking about a significant sample size. You know, in a 56-game season, we're talking about running a 10K, and we've just hit the 1K mark, right? We're 10% into the season. You know, by mm-hmm. the next week, we're almost a fifth of the year in. And Petey's got one assist and a horrible – like, you know, for a guy who makes smart plays – Look at him last night. I mean, trying to trying to send the puck across the ice with two Habs defenders and Tyler Toffoli, who ate him alive. And here's the other thing that magnifies this problem. Tyler Toffoli, man. Perry, you and I were both on the Tyler Toffoli train. That was the one guy that yeah. I think of everybody we wanted to see signed. That was the guy, you know, if you could find a way to keep. And Tyler Toffoli has just absolutely gobbled his franchise up the last two games with, what, five goals? He's been unbelievable, uh, and he was the one guy other than Markstrom where he said, if you can keep him, keep him. Uh, you know, Sat did a nice job saying, it, it, unfortunately, it's just not that easy and wasn't from a financial, financial standpoint. But, hey, he looks good on a very well-balanced hockey team. Let's give the Montreal Canadiens some credit. You picked them to win the score, Downey North Division. I stayed away thinking maybe the chemistry won't be there. It is. The work ethic is good, and they just get it from everybody. You know, they were good last night, and their power play wasn't. But Tyler Toffoli, just that ability to finish. I was thinking last night, look at the start Toffoli has. Look what Bo Horvat's doing. Imagine those guys hanging out together right now. Uh, But you can't deal with what you don't have. You have to deal with what you do. And I think at the one point, as long as there's a serious compete, then that's okay. But James, and maybe we'll play this clip for Travis Green right now. When when you hear the word, remember years back, Travis Green used the word once and came back the next day and said, ah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said soft. I think he knew the word he was choosing yesterday when he threw out that maybe this hockey team right now is a little immature, and that is a massive indictment. Well, let's look and listen to uh, what Travis Green had to say, and, and a very frustrated Travis Green trying to not throw his team under the bus, trying to protect the shield, but here he was. Well, we weren't just giving up scoring chances. It's We were giving up goals. We give probably four to five goals. It wasn't just it wasn't a game where we were hemmed in our zone the whole game. It was just giving breakaways, giving up. Like I said, in this league, if you give up chances that are gifts, you're gonna you're gonna lose bad. We did that tonight. 
not uh, not an impressive effort at all for the Canucks, and that was uh, and that was uh, to me just the the effort last night. We're asking you this morning, what's your biggest concern right now with the Canucks? Uh, our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question: Is it EP40's struggles? Is it goaltending? Is it the effort? Is it the defensive depth? Right now, 51% of you say it's the defensive depth right now that's the most concerning. The effort, 25%. PD, 20%. And goaltending, only 4%. You know, Travis Green was pretty quick to point out, you know, goaltending's not the problem right now. But I would say, I think what what I did hear on the postgame show a lot from people last night, I don't think it's been a problem, but I don't think you've seen either Demko or Holtby steal a game for them or make that home run save, right? That dramatic save that you go, oh, my God, and kind of spark the team. They haven't had that. It's more just trying to hang in there right now and hold the, hold the line, if anything, Pierre. There's a lot of problems. I, I wouldn't say goaltending is it. I, I can't really think of, of soft goals that they've given in. It's just been the circus that's been going on in front of them and the opportunities. Like My goodness, the number of opportunities in the last two games that they have given the Habs from the blue line in, it's it's amazing. The, the two-on-ones, and, and that's everybody. And Travis Green had said, like, defend is five. And everyone's just flying the zone. You know, Nate Schmidt with the massive mistakes. Sometimes that's just bad luck. But he didn't take, you know, he just said, listen, that's on me. Puck moved on me. Couldn't get anything done. Um, it's it's coming in a massive force and storm. And I just don't know where they write the ship. I mean, maybe Myers gets suspended. So you're telling me with no Myers and, and if Edler can't get back and, and, and Hamannock's not there. Olio Levy played 20-plus minutes, James. Like, that's not going to work. So even if you play better up front, you kind of have an AHL blue line right now. That's going to think, make things that much more difficult. I don't see them getting out of this tomorrow night. And then talk about an amazing amount of pressure when you welcome the, the one laughing stock people thought, and you can never talk about NHL teams like that. It gets crazy that next week when Ottawa comes, we're going to be talking to how big that series is because you're going to have to start to pick up points, and you need some guys to, to, to play hard, just, just to work hard. And there was none of that yesterday. You know, the fun thing is – there's been two games played in this little mini series between the Habs and the Canucks, and it's one-one. The rubber match tomorrow I, night. It's but the recency bias, man. It has it has not been pretty. We should also remind everybody here, pair quickly. Six fifty, six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. Canucks in a song. We're gonna hit the music at the bottom of the hour. Get your submissions in. A bunch of pouring in already. We'll hit the tracks coming up at the bottom of the hour. I can only imagine the anger on some of this music that's going to be played later on this morning, pair. Yeah, we might need the, the beep button. <laughs> Find something. But, yes, it's much easier to play Canucks in a song, and some people are coming in saying, listen, I'm trying to stay positive with this. Uh, Here's the song I feel. You're right, though. You know, we would have said going in, hey, if you can win two or three against the Montreal Canadiens, that's what you need after what you did on your first road trip. That is still possible. I just don't see it happening if you look at the two hockey teams, how they've played. If you look at the two hockey teams and who's healthy and who's not, uh, I think it's going to be a long journey tomorrow. But they weren't supposed to be beating the St. Louis Blues. They weren't supposed to be in a series with Las Vegas. Nate Schmidt said that. Like the hockey team I joined, there was no quit in them because I don't know where that is right now. This isn't kind of what I signed up for. Um, and everybody's got to find that. Find that. You know, It's amazing to be soul-searching and digging deep when you're two weeks in, but I think that's what Travis Green's asking these guys to do. 
For sure. Uh, lots more Canucks conversation coming your way over the course of the morning. And again, the Habs and Canucks, the rubber match tomorrow on Saturday night. There's still one more between these two teams. Uh, meantime, we're going to change gears here for a second because UFC 257 goes down this weekend. It's Conor McGregor back inside the cage for the first time in a year as he takes on Dustin Poirier for the second time of their respective careers. And joining us on the line is the guy who some people call what the Bob Costas of MMA journalism and not only that, man, he's sidelines in NFL games these days. He is living the life, and he is one of the biggest Expos fans I know. Gone, but certainly not forgotten, Mr. Ariel Hawani. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you guys. What a, what a time it is to be alive. We've got the return of Conor McGregor. My beloved Buffalo Bills are playing in the AFC Championship, about what? to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Canadians are going to beat the Canucks on Saturday. Wow. And, wow. And I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this, James. But one of my best friends on the planet is a guest that you have coming up, the great Jason Tackerman of the RBC JCC uh, Celebrity Dinner that you'll be hosting. Talking to Magic Johnson. How about yeah. that? Jason and I, two boys from the 514 on the same radio show in Vancouver. I mean, the stars are aligning for us. Buddy, this is like somewhere between a heel promo and the hometown pop, man. I love it. Nice. Yes. Well, you know, like, like the great Roddy Piper once said, just when you think you have all the answers my friend what do i do i change the questions on you james well played well played ariel before we go ariel we'll talk some football because i saw you go off yesterday with your bills mafia what do you think we expect saturday night with mcgregor jumping back into the cage obviously anytime connor fights it's it's a spectacle there's a, a ton of buzz this is his first fight since Last January, you know, 2020 for him and, and for all of us was very frustrating. He had big plans. He wanted to fight three times. He was even talking about fighting Manny Pacquiao in a boxing match. And those plans didn't come to fruition. In the end, he only fought for 40 seconds. Um, and I feel like he's almost like this caged animal. Like when I spoke to him last week, I thought he was going to be irritated, upset, mad, frustrated over the year that was. But Honestly, he's, he's in a great spot. He seems very appreciative to be back. He seems very, um, very content, very happy, very calm, relaxed. Um, there were some questions about him cutting down to 155. This is his first fight at 155 since October of 2018. He looked phenomenal today on the scale. He was the first one to show up for the weigh-in. So I'm expecting a big performance. And, oh, by the way, he beat Dustin Poirier back in 2014. Poirier's a much better fighter than the one they fought back then. But uh, I think that Connor, if we're, if we're being honest, unbiased, is the better fighter and, and should win if all goes according to plan for him. Ariel, what's what's different here? Like, you know, Connor, you talk about being in a good headspace, but there's been, there hasn't been a lot of trash talk here. Like, this has been a very yeah. behaved Connor this week. What's What's different? I think a lot is different. You know, um, he's a father now, and I think, you know, that could be cliche to some, but James, I know you're a father as well, and uh, kids can change you, and they yeah, have definitely evolve. changed Conor McGregor, right? I mean, he has two kids, he has a third on the way, and you could just see, it's funny, because when he was climbing the ladder, he was about to fight Jose Aldo, one of the shots that he took at Jose Aldo was, he has a family, he has children, he has a wife to go back to, I have none of that. He's distracted, I'm not, I'm married to the game. Well, guess what? Four years later, he has a fiance. He has two kids, a third on the way. And I asked him about that recently, and he's like, yeah, you know, that was then, this is now, and, and this is part of my maturation. This is part of my evolution. Um, there's no denying that in 2019, it was all on the verge of slipping away for him. I mean, he was becoming the stereotypical fighter who had it all, 
and was about to lose it all. But he says the storm is behind him now. He's figured out how to be famous, how to be Conor McGregor. Uh, he's figured out that he's the whale, and the whale doesn't take the bait, as he put it to me last week. And I, and I just feel like he, he doesn't feel like he needs to be the show on, on stage. Like, the show is the fight. He doesn't need to poke his opponent. He doesn't need to get under his skin. Trust me, when the time will call for it, when he fights Khabib again, he'll do that sort of thing. But with guys like Cerrone and Poirier, he doesn't feel like he has to, has to do it. And, and, and I think his team is actually happy about that because they feel like, all right, no drama, no bad blood. Let's just go in there, do the work, go home, cash the check. Ariel, you, you can mature as Connor has outside the ring, but do you see it with fighters where that maturity is in how they perform in the octagon too? Can you see, hey man, more experience, he's just more settled. Can you see that in a way a guy fights too? You can. Um, I don't think we've seen enough from Connor to truly say that because like I said, he only fought for 40 seconds last year combined. Prior to that, he didn't fight in 2019. And then prior to that was the loss to Habib. Um, I do think that you know, he said something really interesting yesterday at the press conference. He said, people keep asking me, like, hey, you've done it all. You have all this money. As he put it, you're richer than Dana. I think that was a subtle shot at Dana, if I'm being honest. But he's like, why, but, but why do you guys keep trying to, like, kick me out of the sport? Like, why do you keep talking to me about the end? I'm only 32. I still have, in my mind, multiple years left. This is a guy who I think will fight till his 40s and maybe even beyond his 40s because he's really, truly obsessed with fighting. So... I don't think it's a crazy statement to say that the best is yet to come for Conor McGregor. It's been an amazing run for him. He's given us tremendous highlights. But as he put it, hey, the money is great, the fame is great, but that all comes and goes. I want the highlights. I want someone to look back on my clips, like people look today at clips of Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and say, wow, that guy had a highlight reel. That guy had an incredible career. And I still have more highlights to produce. So while we don't know for sure what this will all translate into, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many more highlights to come from this guy because, like I said, he seems to be in a great spot physically and mentally. Ariel Hawani with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, let's look at Dustin Poirier for a second here. It's been almost, what, it's been six and a half years since these two last stepped in a cage together and it lasted, what, about two minutes or less than. Does, does Poirier have a shot here? Yes, he absolutely has a shot. And, you know, something that's been frustrating for me because, you know, I'm, I've been doing, it's funny, like, People don't want to talk about MMA until Connor comes, right? Yeah. He, he comes around and fights, and now everyone wants to talk about MMA. And you do interviews. Not like you guys. I know, James, you're very well versed in the sport, but you'll go on radio shows, and they'll be like, well, what's the point of this fight? He beat him in you know, less than two minutes, a minute 46 to be exact. And it's so disrespectful to Dustin Poirier because Dustin Poirier is not a tomato can. This isn't a gimme fight. It's actually somewhat reminiscent and symbolic of the first fight because the first time around, Connor had to get by Dustin to become a featherweight contender, 145. This time around, he has to get by Dustin to become a lightweight contender again. Dustin is one of the best lightweights on the planet. I would argue he's top three right now. Habib, Connor, Dustin Poirier. You can make that argument very easily. Um, he's a guy that's looked very good as of late. He's coming off a win over Dan Hooker. He won the interim title a couple of years ago. He is no slouch. I would argue that he has improved more since 2014 than Conor McGregor has because Conor was already fighting at a really high level. Dustin needed to mature as well. He was too emotional going into that first fight. He let Conor get in his head. He let him get under his skin. He needs to, you know, be a lot more calm and, and, and less emotional and just go out there and do the job. And this week, this week he has shown to be in that state of mind. It remains to be seen which Dustin will show up on Saturday because historically sometimes in the big fights, 
he falters. But make no mistake about it, this is not a tomato can. This is not a gimme fight. Dustin Poirier is a really tough out. Uh, Ariel, our next guest uh, will be handicapping the NFL. I've had a very successful season oh, yes. making predictions in the NFL. At that point, I will <laughs> tell him that if Pat Mahomes is okay, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Why am I wrong? Okay, well, first of all, I just want to make it very, very clear. We, and I say we on behalf of the Buffalo Bills organization and Bills Mafia, we want the best Patrick Mahomes. Because as Ric Flair once said, to be the man, woo, you got to beat the man. So I want the man. I want the defending <laughs> champ. I want a full stadium. I want everyone there rooting against the Bills, counting them out, including people like you, because I know everyone's counting them out. No one wants the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Why? Because we always lose, right? What does Bill stand for? Boy, do I love losing Super Bowls, right? Well, guess what? The nightmare of the 90s is back. But this time in 2021, we're the dream. It's all coming together. 30 years, 30 years, almost exactly to the day when Scott Norwood went wide right. We go back to Tampa in three weeks, and we play Tom Brady, and we exercise all the demons. Tom, you're doing well in Tampa. You left that sad sack organization in New England. Great. We swept them. We won the AFCs for the first time in 25 years. We're winning the AFC championship since when? 1994, when we beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then we exercise the demons against big, bad, old fogey Tom Brady. I want all the smoke. February 7th, remember this clip. The Buffalo Bills will be the Super Bowl champions. Woo! What well about done. that, James? What about that promo? Well, James wishes uh, he had promos like uh, that. A hundred percent. I think our audience wishes Perry and I talked like that for three hours a day. Hey, tell me this though: if if Bills Mafia comes through, if the Bills can actually pull this off, are you going to channel like a legit in the pit Bills fan and go through a flaming table? I'm sorry to say no. And you know why? Because the Bills, the Bills that I grew up loving were the class of the NFL. Bill Polian, Marv Levy, former coach of which team? The Montreal yeah, Alouettes, the yeah. CFL legends, right? Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, James Lofton, Don Beebe, Cornelius Bennett, Daryl Talley, Bruce Smith. I could go on and I could sit here all day talking to you about Steve Tasker, but I won't. That franchise, they weren't the butt of the joke. Those fans weren't the butt of the joke. In the early 2000s, we were irrelevant. We had to do something to be a part of the NFL scene. I would like those days to be in the rearview mirror. I'm all about those mafia. The fans are the best. You see them donating to charities. It's great. But I don't want us to be the butt of the joke anymore because we're a class organization with classy fans and the best, the best GM in the biz, Brandon Bean, the best head coach in the biz, Sean McDermott, the best offensive coordinator in the biz, Brian Dayball, the best defensive coordinator in the biz, Leslie Frazier. we got the best quarterback in the biz. we got the best wide receiver. Shall I go on and on? I'm not afraid of Travis <laughs> Kelsey and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, son of former Montreal Expos reliever Pat Mahomes Sr. I'm not afraid of any of these jabronis. I want all of them, and I can't wait till we find we, Western New York, finally has our say. Preach, man. Ready I like go, it. my friend. It's going to be yeah. fun. Good yeah, luck. Guess what? Yeah. Guess what? The Canucks, boom. We're laying the smack down on you guys tomorrow. Carrie Price is coming to town. Watch yeah. out for it. 
We're already licking our wounds after last night. You didn't have to rub that in there, Helwani. My goodness. Um, hey, nice to catch up with you, buddy. I'm glad to hear uh, things are just – you're absolutely killing it. It is awesome to see. Thanks for finding time with us. I know how busy you are. Uh, good luck this weekend. You're going to need it because based on my pick and where my money's at, I got the Chiefs because to be the man, you got to beat the man, and they are the man. <laughs> Woo! You, Take Jay. care, Helwani. Hey, good Good luck with uh, Magic Johnson. That's amazing. JCCSportsDinner.com. I'm I'm one of the prizes, by the way. You can get a Zoom chat with me. I think it'll, it'll go for a dollar. But I'm, I'm honored to be <laughs> nice. a part of it. Jason Taxman is the man. So uh, good luck to you, and, and it's a great thing you're doing for the community, James. Thanks, Errol. You take care, man. They're great people, Thanks, and Jason absolutely rocks. We'll catch up with Jason in about an hour from now. So all the heavyweights here today. Take care, Errol. Take care, guys. All right, there he is, Ariel Hawani, man, looking ahead to UFC 257 tomorrow night. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, and he's ready for the main event on Championship Sunday as well. He's got the he's got the Bills going to the Super Bowl pair. Oh, he went off the other day. I saw him. I mean, he is full on Bills Mafia. Hey, he'll celebrate a Super Bowl at some point. I don't think it's this year. Like his chances next year, but knows his stuff. Gets to do some football now. Uh, a lot of fun catching up with Ariel. Now I got to tell you, man, as a long like. Uh, I, I, the Bills were the regional team in, in my neighborhood for a long, long time. I'm not a Bills fan, but I definitely had some love and some empathy for the Bills and what they've gone through. Uh, it'd be a wonderful story. Anyway, we'll talk to Steve Rapp. We'll pick some winners in the NFC and AFC championships coming up in a moment, and we're also going to hit the music. Canucks in a song. A lot of people pouring their submissions in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll get to them next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's Friday here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Perry, this is my Canucks in a song here. Jackson 5, I want you back. And when I say I want you back, I miss Tyler Toffoli. I miss Alex Endler, who was out last night. I miss Travis Hamannick, who was out last night. I miss Chris Tanov right now with the penalty killing. I miss Jacob Markstrom for a big-time save. I want you back. I want everybody back right now. Oh, move forward, my friend. Move forward, my friend. I can understand your Edler. I can understand getting healthy. But, yeah, it was the worst thing to see Tyler Toffoli be that good. But Tyler Toffoli is an absolute monster here in Vancouver and at Rogers Arena. But uh, I, I thought maybe he wants you back. Like, show me the work ethic. Show me your desire, and it'll be okay. But it is Canucks in a song. So many are coming in on the Dumberline text line, 650-650. What summed up what we watched last night, what we have ahead? Um, and, and James, just looking, there's a lot of songs out there where they're trying to find the suck word, this and that, and disappointing. Um, so we'll get to some of that in a little bit more. Do I? Do we want mine now? Or Go for it. Yeah, do it. Wrap, don't we? We're waiting for you. Uh, well, as I'm watching that and all the mistakes, I uh, didn't think physically. I said, what's between the ears, guys? All those giveaways? I went classic. Think. It all starts with a game plan. 
Yeah. And it all starts understanding in between your ears what are the good decisions and what are the bad decisions. I think you could have played Think over the highlights of half of everything that was going on last night for the Canucks. Poor passes, not working very hard, not tracking back. You need to think, and especially the fact that they can't practice very much. You better look at that video, think, and go, I should be somewhere else. Can't do it on the ice. I've got to understand. Got to be smarter if they're going to get out of this thing. Dunbar Lumber text line is hopping mad already this morning at 650-650. Tyler's going with four non-blondes. What's up? Yeah, what is going on, Canucks? Uh, Shaheed going with a little Backstreet Boys, tearing up my heart. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. But when we are apart, I feel it too. And no matter How did I screw that up? Got my boy bands wrong. sync. Timberlake on line one. Uh, how about this one as well? Silas, uh... <laughs> Tipping point, a little CanCon, Dallas Smith style. We got a lot more we got to get to. We'll get to them in the 7 o'clock hours, 6.50, 6.50. Get those submissions in. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. Canucks absolutely thumped 7-3 last night, run out of the building by the Montreal Canadiens. They'll do it again and run it back in the rubber match tomorrow night at Rogers Arena, and it's a 4 o'clock start tomorrow afternoon. Uh, NFC-AFC championship set to go down coming up this weekend on Sunday. You've got it's the future and the now with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the Buffalo Bills going down on Sunday in the AFC championship and then it's kind of the old school and the classics and two guys who are already penciled in for Canton, Ohio in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and we're talking about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers led by Aaron Rodgers and maybe the best we've seen from Aaron Rodgers in his career which is saying something. Steve Rapp, another Hall of Famer from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines, ready to make you some money this weekend. Mr. Rapp, this, this should be a fantastic weekend of football, my friend. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope so. We're going down to the final three games. I was uh, not my favorite time of the year. I love my 16 games on a Sunday or 14 games on a Sunday. But, uh, yeah, there should be a couple good ones going on this week. Yeah, Steve, I'm with you. you. You seem like you can always find something when it's a full slate of games. You look at this and you're trying to find who has the edge here. Uh, both favorites uh, favored by three. Uh, let's start on in chronological order and as to what's going on first. And that means the first game we'll see will be the, the older veterans in Tom Brady going to the cold against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Well, I'll tell you, Perry, there are dozens of ways uh, to bet these two games. And we're going to break down a bunch of them, obviously, on Sunday. But a little preview. Uh, Packers opened as a four-point favorite, total of 50 and a half. Uh, the public money has been on the home Packers here. But the number has dropped down to three and a half. And, guys, it is trending down. Looks like we may even see a three by game time. Uh, be weary of Tom Brady when the public goes against him. Uh, since 2003, when Brady has received less than 50% of the bets, he's gone 25, 18, and three, including 2-0 and against the spread with the Bucks. 
so that's Tom Brady and the Bucks. But you know, there's a pretty good quarterback on the other side of the ball as well. We don't have to tell you that. Uh, all he does is really cover football games at an amazing clip, especially when those games are at home. 62-35-4 and four against the spread at Lambeau Field is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Green Bay won 14 games this season, and 13 of them were by more than a touchdown. Uh, Rodgers did have his worst game of the season against Tampa Bay, and I'm going to credit Todd Bowles, obviously, for that defensive game plan. But I don't see that happening twice. Tampa's defense has looked beatable against a bad Washington offense and a withering Drew Brees. I see them gettable here as well. To that effect, actually, my main bet on this one is going to be over. Uh, I played it when it opened at over 50 and a half. I think we have two QBs who won't be thrown off by the frozen tundra. A rolling Packers offense might get the, might get going. The GOAT will be trying to keep up. I think touchdowns will be few uh, easy to come by. I'm looking forward to this one. I lean pack minus three, and I also lean the over here, over 51 and a half now. Mm, you get the double shot. Yeah, I'm with you on the pack on this one. I, I just and, and it's funny because the numbers in history tell you that look the other way, and yet, yeah, I like Green Bay in this one as well. All right, Bills and Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs coming in at, at a three-point favorites. There's been a lot of talk about Pat Mahomes' health. How do you see this one playing out against a Bills team that, man, like they've won 11 of 12 now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and James, this number is really just a placeholder. Uh, Sports Interactive actually sits two and a half minus 20. That has a lot to do with the, uh, the fact that a lot of their, their, their customers are in Southern Ontario, obviously. So when the Raptors or, or, or the Blue Jays do well, there's going to be a, a obviously heavy action to that. Total here is 54. There are threes, as you say, on the boards. And three is Sports Interaction. Three can be bought cheap if that's what you like. But what this number represents is we're about 70% sure that Pat Mahomes will play. And it's a good place to sit for the, with the number until we find out. When there is confirmation that he will play, which I believe there will be, I believe we will see this number hit three and a half for Kansas City. And if Mahomes can't go, we'll see this number as high as Buffalo minus four. Uh, so what do we think we know? Even if Mahomes can play and he's passed the concussion protocol, uh, we think he might have a banged up toe. And that was a concern before the head and neck injury last yeah. week. Yeah, we do know that even when he was healthy, the Chiefs were walking a razor's edge every week and have gone 2-8 two, two and eight against the spread the last 10. The Bills, on the other hand, 12-6-2 and two against the spread this season. Josh Allen, 27-17-2 in his career. Put him on the road. He's an outstanding 13-5-2. And, and as a dog, he's 14-6-2. Like in the first game this year, the Chiefs abandoned that running game, uh, abandoned their passing game and went to the, 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 uh, the run game and really beat the Bills. But the Bills proved last year, last week, that if a team wants to do that to them like the Ravens, they can now stop it on the ground. Um, so this one could be a shootout as well. Betting markets see that too. This one has gone up a total of two and a half points from 51 and a half to 54. But I'm going on form here. The Bills just sniffed us. They just looked better uh, over the last eight, ten weeks of the season. I'm going to assume that the homes will play, and I will wait, and I'll take the three and a half come Sunday. Because I think as soon as we do get that absolute final confirmation that Mahomes will play, this number will be three and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's just the the reputation of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but ever since they started playing some national nighttime games, you just see how good they are. And I think there's there's just something about that belief in the team, uh, Steve, that I, I could see. And I'm not going to say an upset, but I could see them be good enough uh, to take on really what to me has been the best two teams in the last six weeks 
and that's Green Bay and Buffalo meeting up. Yeah, I, I was fading them. I was fading them all those primetime games, saying, "Oh, they're going to have the letdown over after San Francisco. Oh, they'll have the letdown after Pittsburgh." Oh, they didn't. Oh, they're not going to play well against Miami because they don't have to, and they blew put up a fifty burger on them. Yeah, no, they yeah. they they've convinced me. I lost enough money on them uh, through the years, and I spent twenty years losing money on Tampa Bay and New England, waiting for them to fade. So I'm not going to fall into that trap again. Steve, you go enjoy those games, man. It's uh, I think it should be great football on both sides in the AFC and NFC. Uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, buddy? Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Right. YouTube, there he is, Sports Interaction. Steve Rapp from Inside the Lines uh, picking. He likes uh, he likes the pack to get it done this weekend. Uh, all right, lots more still to come. Ron McLean will join us coming up at 7 o'clock. We'll get to that with him, and in a moment, we're going to crunch the numbers. We're playing Stat Me Up right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. 6.49 here on this Friday morning. Ron McLean will join us just after 7 o'clock. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing. We'll get to Scotty in just a sec, but I'm going to share my number with you, boys and girls, and it is the number 14. As the Canadians have another chance, so they score again off the right wing. It's Jake Evans set up by Paul Byron. You want to talk about Achilles' heel for the Canucks right now? You can look in a lot of different directions, but it's period number two. The Canucks have now given up 14 goals in that middle frame alone this season. They've been outscored 14-5 in the second. It happened in Calgary earlier this week, and it happened again last night where the bottom fell out. Scotty! Honestly, when does the bleeding stop here, my friend? Playing like two in number two, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Time for a potty joke. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard to watch, but you know what? What scares me even more is my number's 11, okay? So the game is over. One to forget for Vancouver as they'll lick their wounds, regroup, and try to come back on Saturday. So you got 11% of the season done already. The season's already 32% shorter than normal and compressed. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bad, it hurts even more when they lose because you just cannot afford to do that. Because uh, you could be gone if you lose 10 games in a row. Let's flip the coin around, though. I was just doing a little digging to see who's not lost yet. Vegas is 4-0. Tampa's 3-0. Florida's 2-0. Mind you, COVID, they should have only played two games. Um you know, I'm sure next week we'll be talking about all those guys, you know, having a loss, but maybe not. I did my final note and did some digging and said, okay, who's at the best start to a season? Ten games, straight wins, Leafs in 93-94, Sabres in 2006, and 2007 season. Yeah, you know, to get out of the gate, it just buys you time to slump, Scotty. Um, yeah. And that, I think, is the concern here. You know, the one thing, misery loves company. Teams that can't score, although they got the win. My number is 17. This is unbelievable! This is unbelievable! Yeah, Jack Edwards in a Boston win yesterday. But you know what? The Bruins actually went 17 periods of hockey this year a five-on-five hockey without scoring a goal. That is unbelievable. You don't win hockey games if you can't score when it's five-on-five. Bruins have struggled a little bit. They turned it around in the third period. But, guys, you think about that. You went like five hockey games going in. We couldn't score on five-on-five. Boston's a team. They've had their changes, and it's taken a while for them to find. You wonder if that window of opportunity that's kind of been open to the Bruins since 2011 is slowly coming to an end. 
Well, Scotty, I, got took, I, real I, I, I took I took I took Philly to beat the Bruins last night for my pick, and uh, Philly had a nice, comfortable two-goal lead until they blew it in the third and then lost in the shootout. So, <laughs> just want to point that out there, Scotty. Kind of reminds me about my son asked when we took a penalty last night. He said, "Too bad it's not like the NFL and you can't decline." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so real estate stats. We're two-thirds into January already. I can't believe it. January, because I grew up in Saskatchewan, used to be the longest awful month of the year. Freezing temperatures and plugging cars in and stuff. Um, but it's gone by fast. The new market, the resale market, they're showing seller's market conditions still. Uh, there's upward pricing on pressure right now coming in in the new product. Um, we've seen a number of projects where prices have been going up moderately, three to five grand every three to five days. Um you know, I don't think we're going to see, you know, six months of that kind of price appreciation, but there's no indication. Interest rates look like their stats this week. They're going to stay low through 2021, 2022. Um, but looking up at what's up in 22, I told you last time that high rise sales were low last year because of COVID for a number of reasons. Dug in a bit deeper. They only represented, you know, 22 projects or a third of the number of townhome projects that started sales. But this year, high rise is going to be back in play. We're seeing it coming. Watch for it in Burnaby, in North Road, Coquitlam, Port Moody, Surrey City Centre. Uh, and you're going to possibly see the first one launched in Guilford Town Centre in a while. So uh, people are going to be looking up this year, not only looking up at the real estate stats, looking up at new high rises. Huh. It's, uh, I mean, it's it, everything seems to be flying. I was just talking to a, a buddy of mine who's a realtor up in the interior, and he was talking, man, all the lots are flying off the ski hills now. Like, it's just, it's the trickle-down effect everywhere. Well, you said about the interior, I got a little term I'm working called the Renaissance of Recreational Real Estate. Because <laughs> it's back like 2003 and four. you you're right, big white places like that. Are, as much as the guests are down, the people that are there are wanting housing as well as, you know, they want the weekend ski experience, right? Um, yeah. You know, so it's, uh, we shall see what happens next time or next week. I'll give you a little tease on what January's numbers will actually look like, and then we'll have them before you know it. Well, high rises everywhere. Let's hope this hockey team starts to climb to a higher floor than sitting at the basement, Scotty, when we talk next Friday. Amen to that, Brother Perry. (laughs) Have a good one. There he is. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Scott Brown, Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing. Yeah, to a deluxe apartment in the sky, Pair. That's where we can only hope that it goes from here for the Canucks uh, after taking one on the chin again last night, falling 7-3 to the Montreal Canadiens. Ron McLean will join us in just a matter of moments from Hockey Night in Canada. We'll dive into what went down or what didn't go down for the Canucks last night on the ice and much, much more. Plus, the JCC RBC Sports Dinner is set to go down uh, coming up in March and uh, a very special announcement as the Jack Diamond Award winner will be made here coming up on this station at 7.30 this morning and a name that certainly hits home for so many of us right across Metro Vancouver and across the country for that matter. That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Armia ahead for Toffoli in alone to the forehead. He scores. Second shorthanded goal of the game for the Canadians. We give up probably four to five goals in this league. If we give up chances that are gifts, you're going to lose bad. We did that tonight. These guys are here to break it all down. Army has got a concussion, so definitely uh, uh, there was contact with the with the head. So I think the referee's got it right. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. You play to win the game. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. 
7 o'clock here on a brisk Friday morning. Um, yeah, I think the mindset of the Vancouver Canucks probably a little frigid, uh, but it's uh, cool and clear out there this morning. Talking snow tomorrow night here in Metro Vancouver. Uh, James Sabalski, Perry Silkowski kicking it with you. Uh, Ron McLean will join us here momentarily as the Canucks fall to the Montreal Canadiens last night on a night that, man, it did not feel like they were ever in at Paris. They get absolutely throttled 7-3. to And I think the most alarming thing for this one last night, I think the effort or the lack thereof, that was awful. Coach said they seemed a little bit immature, like they've kind of forgotten what it takes to get there. Um, it was as bad as I've watched them play in two years. It's just the stupid mistakes that they made and – you know, yesterday we, we talked and, and Berkey was talking about, hey, normally you get eight preseason games. Well, you don't. And the Montreal Canadiens don't. And neither do the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, everybody's had to come out of the gate and play well. And with the exception of a good effort against an Edmonton team on opening night, where maybe the Edmonton team thought, hey, we're really good now. We'll just come out there and skate. We'll be good enough. You've had one good period against the Calgary Flames, and then you let it go. And I'm not going to say that win on Wednesday night was great. They just outscored their problems um, and, and got five against Carey Price. But yesterday, James, it was ugly from the start, and they just could not do anything. Two shorthanded goals, and it was just atrocious, um, the effort and the thought process of this hockey team. I question how you change it around. You might have to wait till Monday in Ottawa. I don't know with the depth on the blue line and that you can't challenge. You're hurt, you're hurt. It's going to be that way. But if you're going to have three young guys, minimal experience on the back end, I don't like your chances of getting out of this thing tomorrow night. Well, that's that's the issue, right? It's it's the lack of where's the support from the veterans? Where are the, where are the other guys? Where are those forwards, those you know, the, the guys that you spend all that money up front and you just didn't see that sort of help last night? Yes, Brandon Sutter scored a nice goal and danced around. Welcome welcome to the show, Romanov. Uh, but at the same time, like, you've got to be, you've got to be better than that. And there, there wasn't enough – given ish meter in terms yeah. of what we saw and here's Travis Green like you alluded to the the immature sort of mindset from the Vancouver Canucks last night here's what Travis Green was saying and what Perry's speaking about uh we've we look a little bit immature in ways at times um you know I think it's you know it could be that when you when you have a little bit of success or you win some playoff series you come back and you forget how how hard it is to win um we're not a team that has ever won easy. Uh, we've got to we grind out wins. Um, and we've got to realize that. And, and remember, it's, it's hard to win in the league. It's not, and, uh, you know, we had that mentality last year. We've got to get, get back to that. Yeah, it, this team does not look like the same team from last year. And, and, and Pear, I'll tell you what, Petey, I mean, it's been five games. I've been hearing all week from everybody that, that you know, people defending – Betterson saying he'll be fine. He'll be fine. You know what? Like Scotty Brown just alluded to and stabbed me up. We're 11% of the way into the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, oh, there's lots of time left, but it's a pretty good sample size for a pretty flat start for PD that five games without a point now. I mean, we've never seen this from him before. And just the body language out there, he's having a hard time because he's not doing much offensively and he just looks very, very peripheral out there. So who's Travis Green calling immature? He said it as a collective, right? Bo Horvat hasn't been immature. He's been here right from the get-go and tried to keep them in it yesterday. Brock Besser's been off to a really good start. I like his work rate. So that works. Adam Gaudet, yeah, I'm going to say immature. You're coasting at the blue line when Josh Anderson scores. Terrible. You're about to bury your head and take some strides, right? Um, 
Quinn Hughes, yeah, he played a lot of minutes, and he tried to do some things that hadn't worked. I would hate to say, yeah, he said we're immature. I'm thinking he's directing that at number 40, and maybe he's directing a little bit at number 43. You're two young stars who were so good and have so much talent. I think there's just a collective about three or four. Hoaglander's allowed to be immature, as is Rafferty, as in as is Olio Levy, right? Because they're young, they haven't played. I think the immaturity goes to, hey, guys, I know you've been at it for a year, two years, but forget about it. What you did last year in the bubble doesn't work. Remember how hard you worked there? And I know he said it collectively as a team, but honestly, I think that's who he's pointing to. Yeah, I think there's probably that. I think you probably got to look at some of the veterans as well. I mean, where's Antoine Roussel? I mean, what, what's he giving you? And, and I was, yeah. I've was i talked about this this week, and, and I know you've been on this for a while now, but, you know, where's Antoine Roussel? Where are the likes of, you know, Tyler Myers? I like I like the fact that Tyler Myers is competing out there. I like the fact that he's battling. But I think you can also point out that some of these penalties for a guy that you rely on to kill penalties is taking too many penalties. And the Armia hit, look, do I think it was intentional? Do I think it was malice? Tyler Myers isn't that player. But the timing of the game to finally show a little bit of that snarl and at that time when the, in a blowout of a game – I think that's where a lot of the Montreal Canadiens take issue with. Armia's got a concussion. Uh, to me, I think that, that because it's a shorter season, you're looking at probably at least a game, in my opinion, based on the severity of that hit. But anyway, we'll see what player safety has to say. There's been a lot of different reports out there over the last 12 hours suggesting that he may get nothing. So that could be a huge break for the Canucks. Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada joins us here, as he always does, Friday mornings here on Sportsnet 650. TGIF, sir, how are you? TGIF to you, James and Perry. Uh, I can't imagine him not getting a game, but maybe they think he changed the angle of uh, Armia. I, I sure look like a suspense, suspension to me. Yeah. It's never a good thing as we all stay in our houses, but man, Ron, you've been enough. Uh, you've been out here enough. You know the temperature of Vancouver Canuck fans. From a distance, where do you see the glimmer of hope how this team has played the last couple of games? Well, uh, I think you're all pointing to the power play as you should. I don't know how they stopped JT Miller to Bo Horvat. That That's unbelievable that it keeps working again, as John Shorthouse says, Memorex or what? Um, so that power play is clearly a, a huge weapon that, that is very useful. I, I could point to the New Jersey Devils, Perry, back in 95 in the 48-game season. They started with a tie, and then they lost uh, three in a row, and they only won three of their first ten. They looked terrible. And you know what happened. So that would be one thing I would point to. And, uh, you know, the worry is the defense uh, being so banged up. But I, I just think they do have two wonderful goaltenders. And I know in the past we've always used the adage, if you've got two, you don't have one. But in this case, I do like a senior guy to be there to mentor uh, Demko. So I think, you know, if they can just survive, and, and Elias Pettersson will get going. You know, that I was thinking a lot about the third year more so in the new world order with uh, the bridge contract coming, or do you try to go for the long bomb and uh, sign a, an extended contract? So that's that's going to start to percolate that talk, which will be hugely irritating. But you want to really be careful about players in their third season is a difficult one. Todd Bertuzzi was traded after his third year. He'll speak to that. Cam Neely traded after his third year. Blake Wheeler was traded into his third year. Taylor Tyler Sagan after his third year. Uh, a lot of guys, Eiserman struggled in his third year. Eiserman had 39 goals, 30 goals, and then in his third year, 14. Crosby, 102 points, 120 points, and then was a little injury-riddled and down to 70 points in his third year. So it's, a, I think, a really tricky season for all players, and uh, you, you want to try and finesse that a little bit. And Right now in panic mode, no one's ready for that. But 
I see the power play and uh, and really a pretty talented team. I I do think the Tanev, you know, of all the things, I know it looks like Toffoli's the one they miss, um, but I I just watch what Tanev's doing over in Calgary and and I realize how yep. good he was. So that's probably for Kevin Bieksa tomorrow night. Yeah, no, you look at you look at the teams right now that are kind of you know I feel like Calgary, Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto. They're kind of the four that look like you know if you want to look at the first ten percent of the season. That's kind of your four playoff teams right now in the Canadian division where Ottawa, I mean, Vancouver's reeling right now. The Oilers have had a tough time keeping it out. And, I mean, I think at the law of averages, like you're saying, like that power play finally got kick-started this week, you know, and then they also give up two short, you know, give up a couple of shorthanded goals. And then at the same time, uh, it's the Pedersen con- the, the situation right now where, Ron, I mean, we saw Nathan McKinnon struggle, you know, when he got to his second, third year in the NHL, right? And right. and he went through a couple of years of scuffling. But this is such a, this feels like such a, a an uncomfortable situation because we've never seen it before here in this market with Pedersen, like five games now with, with no points. Well, I, I do like that he owned it. He said he had no confidence. Uh, it reminds me of Patrick Laine in that regard, uh, who freely admits when he's struggling. So I, I'm not worried about him. I, I just think, you know, they've worked so well on the – left-wing boards there with uh, JT Miller or whoever's working the flank and Horvat. Um, eventually, they'll start to feed uh, Elias, and with that shot of his, uh, he'll start to get a couple of goals, and that may break him free. And, you know, he'll, he'll just feel the pressure. The expectations are there, and we've all, you know, Patrick Roy used to say the encore performance is the most difficult, and I realize this is his third year. Um, but I, I do feel after that big run in the playoffs, you know, and, and a few changes, there's a lot of things to make you have doubt um, and you just play through those. Uh, as I just mentioned, the the Devils, you know, came from nowhere in '95 in a shortened season. And I, I could give you a million examples of teams. Even the Jets, James, uh, who are three and one, really looked bad in the previous win against Ottawa. They, yep. they owned it last mm-hmm. night. That was an easy yep. win. But you saw. I mean, Josh Morrissey was handling the puck the way uh, T.J. Brody is handling the puck right now. Guys are, you know, without a training camp, they're finding their form. Uh, but the Jets stayed with the program, and they've always been pretty good about that. Uh, I give Paul Maurice a lot of credit for or their leadership. And they got injuries too, eh, Ron? Like they've That's got right. guys that are hurt too. Yeah. And one guy, you mentioned the shorthanded goals by the Habs. Uh, one guy I point the finger squarely at, and this is a joke. Please don't, Vancouver, get all hot and bothered. But uh, Alex Burroughs, I blame Burroughs because he, of course, with the Laval Rocket, worked with Jake Evans. And I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> for the Montreal yep. Canadiens. And so a few of those Habs are, you know, the work of the Laval Rocket. And uh, so Alex is obviously doing a good job. But 71, you know, as great as Anderson in 17 for, for them looks, they, they look really good, don't they? So they do. Top to bottom. You, you, it's funny, when they got it to 4-2 last night, granted it was a 6-5 seesaw crazy one uh, the previous game, uh, but I just look at Montreal's defense and I think that is a playoff prototypical big hard-to-penetrate defense. Uh, and if they really bear down, uh, they'll be difficult. And Vancouver, I mean, I liked Nate Schmidt. You know, Jennifer Bottrell did a great job of breaking down the the Schmidt screw-up last night, and she, she put the finger squarely on the forwards who didn't get a deep at the other blue line. So he did make a, a whiff, uh, kind of an early season gaffe, but she said there, you know, there was parts of Vancouver's overall game that just showed they're, they're not quite tickety-boo yet. They will have to figure it out. They'll have to figure it out with not a lot of practice. With the Habs being here for the week, uh, Ron, obviously lots of conversation around them and lots of conversation around Pierre-Luc Dubois. I, I joked yesterday on social media, I'm, I'm watching the, the Columbus game against Tampa right now, just like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who played three-plus minutes 
Uh, you know, I love John Tortorella, who last week said, I wish Pierre-Luc Dubois would be more transparent with everybody, and then he wasn't going to answer any questions about him. But has that boiled over now? And do you think Montreal becomes the landing place? It's so hard to imagine Montreal giving up on Nick Suzuki. Like, uh, I saw yeah. where Joey Hishin, who uh, played in Colorado and was a, a really great junior player until he had a severe concussion, uh, and now is uh, doing skills development training and works uh, a lot with Suzuki. And he said Nick is uh, is ahead of Ryan O'Reilly at that phase in his career. So, I mean, you, you kind of, in your mind, think of Dubois as going to be the next Ron Francis or the next Ryan O'Reilly, but maybe they already have it in Suzuki. Uh, and I, it would be hard to break that up right now, that, that magic they seem to have with Kotkin Yemi and uh, young Suzuki. And and as we've said, you know, I'm, I'm not pushing the panic button on Vancouver six games in because I've seen teams, you know, squander 10 games in short seasons. Uh, but Montreal would have to sit Dubois for 14 days if they bring him across the border. Um, mm-hmm. at that, I mean, they've given themselves a little bit of a cushion to do it. But, boy, you'd have to be pretty brave to, to disrupt what's happening in Montreal right now to make that trade. And uh, Liney, I could, I could see that one maybe over into Winnipeg uh, a little bit. They would, they would go down the middle. You know, they'd be as good as anybody. They've got Stastny, who kind of came in to play that role behind Shifley. Um, but... If, if line A wants out and it's a little more quiet and there isn't a, a row with Paul Maurice and him, you know, I, I, John Tortorella for me, it's, I just think it's inexcusable. I, I don't like him, you know, telling the reporters to go hunt down a player. If you're the other 19 players, don't you feel like it's only a matter of time before he turns on me? Um, he did it to Brad Richards in New York. Uh, you know, I just don't understand, you know, but Kevin likes him. He thinks Kevin Bieksa thinks the world of torts and uh, there are mm-hmm. plenty of players like a Mike Keenan. Who, who swear by this, you know, be tough tactic. So uh, it's a mess. Uh, it's it's kind of been in Columbus's history. Ryan Johansson went through it. A lot of, a lot of players have had to opt out uh, because they didn't like the situation there. So very strange and, you know, personally not particularly a fan, but maybe I'm a little too much of a friend of Brad Richards and saw kind of him bullied in New York. Oh, ask Wade Red, ask Wade Redden. I mean, how how that went right in in New York. I mean, funny, Marion Gabrick a few hours ago on social media, kind of talking about the Dubois situation, and said, you know what, uh, you know, the Beatles broke up too, and and I've been there, done that with torts, right? And have you know, Gabrick I think went through the same. Like, there's there's been a lot of really good players in the league who've had to deal with the sort of ish that torts like. You know, there are torts guys. And then there are not, right? Like, you know, you got two of them on your panel that that swear by it. Like, Brian Burke loves John Tortorella, right? And Kevin Bieksa does. But there's a lot of people that would say that, you know what? I got tired of that act. Yeah. And I well, mean, just don't play him, right? Like, don't don't have him sit there because if I'm a teammate well, going, he's not leaving the bench for the next 40 minutes. Well, why did you dress him? I remember. Like, what point are you trying uh, to make? Grapes, grapes uh, Perry did a, a really nice thing for Kevin Stevens and. Uh, Steve Casper was coaching Boston, and he benched Cam Neely and Kevin Stevens in a game at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, and it was a bit humiliating. I think I have the right guys on on who he benched. Anyway, I I remember Grapes just said, again, you just don't do that, right? You know, Grapes is as tough as they come as a coach, but he – you can't – you just can't uh, hang guys out to dry like that, I I don't believe. No, 100%. I'm with you on that one. Um, You you look at what's going on with the Capitals – it uh, looks like Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Orlov, Samsonov, they're all going to miss at least the next four games because of violating COVID protocol. You know, it's funny. Like, I, I don't want to say that these four games, Ron, are, are the make or break, but 
when you kind of start taking stock of the numbers over the last year, you know, 10 games you kind of lose in the regular season last year, you know, it's only a 56-game season this year, and then, you know, for the games that, you know, Ovechkin's going to miss, you're kind of looking at about 40 games on the schedule that you, you kind of lose out on. And, you know, for a guy who's 35, like, if you asked me this at this time a year ago, I would say, you know what, I think Ovechkin's going to catch 99. But when you look at a half a season when you're 35 and, uh, you know, you now you're just getting, you know, you're getting older and older. I do wonder how this impacts his quest for trying to become the NHL's all-time leading goal scorer now. Well, I don't think he was going to catch him anyway, but I, I do think okay. you're onto something about, I think, an older player, Punch Imlek, who, uh, for folks who don't know, Punch was a... Uh, kind of a Keenan Tortorella type coach back in the sixties and seventies and had great success with the Toronto Maple Leafs winning Stanley cups. And his theory always was that older players have to play more, but that's back when it was train travel and they saw each other 12 times. It was a little bit like this year is uh, the players, you know, now it's hard to play a veteran uh, 20 minutes because of the flying and the cross transcontinental stuff. Uh, but I, I do, when I watch Joe Thornton or, you know, who's hurt now, but, when I look at him and they're sort of pacing how they platoon him with Zach Hyman, sometimes going up on the Marner Matthews line. And I wonder, can that work? Can a, can a veteran player not be used a lot? I think, I think it helps them to play a lot. So that was punch him theory. And I think in this season with less travel, I think, you know, ideally you would play your veterans a little more than you ordinarily would. And unfortunately for the capitals, this Ovechkin mess uh, means they're going to miss out on that opportunity early. What do we got tomorrow night? Uh, an all-Canadian matchup I'm hunking on hockey night? Well, yeah, isn't it funny? I, I feel like this is the Olympics. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I, I Just put your TV on, and, and it used to be I would look at the schedule and think, oh, well, I won't watch too many games. Uh, I'll get a night off out of the 30, you know, busman's holidays. Uh, but now every night is a, is a total preparation night because it's, you know, we're doing the same games that we've just watched. Great. Uh, I, I, I am enjoying it. I don't think the hockey's been overly stellar, but it's going to get there. And I, I do see, you know, lots of the little bite showing up in these uh, rivalries. They did a good thing on Darnell Nurse and Brendan Gallagher uh, in the Oilers uh, back-to-backs. One one night Nurse caught Gallagher, and the next night Gallagher went at her at Darnell. So there's lots to look forward to. And we do have, uh, obviously, the, the third installment of this Montreal-Vancouver to start, and then we'll, we'll close with the third installment of Ottawa-Winnipeg. Looking forward to it, man. Uh, always great to catch up. Lots, of, No shortage of conversations and storylines around the National Hockey League right now, and uh, great for you to catch up and join us uh, every Friday morning. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, Thanks, same Ron. games. Thanks, Perry. Take it easy. Uh, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada, looking ahead to the weekend and uh, weighing in with his perspective what he saw from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, and Ricky and Summerlin had a, had a good point here, Pear, I thought, that, you know, six games, nine nights. Montreal had legs. We didn't. I think the, that had a lot to do with the uphill battle yesterday. I'm excited for them to get some rest, regroup, simplify the game plan, and see those smiles as pucks start to go in. And, you know... You look at the Flames schedule. The Flames had this oh, entire week off since Monday, right? Like they haven't they haven't yeah. played since Monday. And when you look at the Canucks, you know, since the puck dropped on the season last Wednesday, they just played their sixth game, right? And then this is they've got tomorrow will be the third game in four nights, but they they just did three and four. Then they came home and then they just played another three and four. Like that is a bear of a start to the year for the Vancouver Canucks. And I believe it's three and four with with Ottawa, isn't it? Isn't it Monday, yep. Wednesday, Thursday again? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that the Flames actually have practice time right now. 
Um, and, and, and that's the problem with it, Ricky. I, I like your point. But when you're playing that many games, and if we discuss by next week, you're, you're closing in on the quarter pool, 25% of your season, that's where it, it makes it that much more difficult to get into some kind of a funk. Um, schedule hasn't been kind to them. A lot of people are playing no more than them. And unfortunately you have one or two bumps and bruises like they have. And if you got to play three young rookies on a blue line again tomorrow night, and depending on what Tyler Myers situation, it makes it that much more tough. So I don't think, you know, we, we can, we love the Bertuzzi relax, relax. Unfortunately, and you heard it in the coach's voice, like this is kind of getting away from them real quick. So I don't know if you fix it against Montreal, but you hope that maybe, uh, with a little bit of a breath and a practice tomorrow, that Monday night they're that much better against Ottawa. We have been uh, taking all sorts of submissions on the Dunbar Lumber yes. text line for your Canucks and a song, 650-650. Also at Sportsnet 650 is where you can also find us on Twitter. But what do you say we hit the music? Uh, this one coming in. How about this submission? Uh, a little oldie but a goodie. Joni Mitchell, Big Yellow Taxi. Don't know what you got till it's gone. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? It tastes paradise, put up a parking lot. Thought you would have gone with uh, a little more of a Cinderella, don't know what you got till it's gone, but uh, hey, you know. It's the Canadian division. I mean, let's stay with Jody Mitchell. We're calling it the Gord Downey division. Nice call on Jody Mitchell. Yeah, you know, watching Tyler Toffoli. As you and I talked about in the summertime, he's the one guy, if you could keep him, I thought with the money they spent and maybe in two or three years, you'd go, that'd be a handicap. But there's no doubt the guy can score. May not be fleet of foot, but in a good position. And certainly when you got Calgary, when you got Montreal, the two teams where your key guys have left to, I think the Joni Mitchell song is apropos with what we've seen in the last week. Oh, I mean, just in terms of, you know, so many, I mean, Jacob Markstrom right now, uh, you know, and, and for those that, that don't like Alex Edler, right? I mean, it's, look at last night. I mean, it still speaks to the value and the importance of what Steady Eddie still brings to this team after all these years. How about this submission? Johnny Cash, hurt. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel yeah, that was painful. I mean, you, you, if you're a Canucks fan, you watched that last night. That hurt. And that one coming in from uh, Canucklehead this morning at 650-650. Church of Pedersen also weighing in as well. They've got their submission here. Uh, Greg, hit the music. Richard Pedersen going with a little faith from George Michael. Try to stay the course, right? If you're the Church of Pedersen, you got to believe in Petey to turn things around. But five games now without a point from Pedersen, just one assist on the season. Ugh. Don't like it, Pear. Don't like it at all. Yeah, it needs to be better. I, listen, I, and my song earlier was, was a little think, and that's what's missing. And the Travis Green comment about maybe being a little immature, hey, part of that would spread on number 40. Uh, he's pressing, and I think for the first time, think about it, this guy has done nothing wrong his entire career over in Sweden and then coming here. Everything he touches to gold. A guy goes around, calls himself Church of Pedersen. Everyone loves him that much, and now for the first time he struggled. So now it's, okay, let's just get back. Let's just listen. Let's get off Twitch. Let's just play and see if he can turn it around. No doubt he will turn it around, but, boy, you know, it's adversity, and how do you figure it out? Uh, it didn't help. Like, I, I think missing nets and not scoring didn't bother him as much as that pass across the blue line and 
going into their net going, okay, man, that is a guy with zero confidence right now, and I don't know if he's ever been able to say that. East Van Tommy taking a submission from the knack. Frustrated. Frustrated. Getting those submissions coming in, 650-650 is the the, uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll keep the music going all morning long here as the Canucks try to get back on the winning track tomorrow. Uh, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock, we've got a major announcement uh, from our friends over at the RBC JCC Sports Dinner announcing the Jack Diamond Award winner. Uh, That's coming up in a moment in a name that... Boy, it will hit home for a lot of us here in Metro Vancouver, right across Canada. But some breaking news here, Pear, just moments ago. And it sounds like uh, reports indicate that uh, Hammer and Hank Aaron has passed away at the age of 86. Oh, son of a gun. I didn't know that. Yeah, we've lost a lot of greats to the sport of baseball. uh, And there is one. You know, you think about video of just thinking of, of Hank Aaron when he hit that home run and people rushing the field, right? Oh, that's and the tough. pressure, and the pressure, and the hate that people did not want him to topple, you know, Babe Ruth's hallowed mark yep. at 714, you know, and and for Hank to finally do that in 1974. But that sort of pressure and the racism that he had to endure, and you know what, he always kept his head high, always kept his head high, and you know the whole Barry Bond situation going down and and ultimately eclipsing Hank Aaron's mark of 755. And, you know, Hank just kind of stood by his guns, right? Uh, but, man, you talk about a class act, what he did. You know, Hammer and Hank, you know, consistency, consistency, the longevity. I mean, my goodness. Um, you know, 86, that's a, it's a good run, but another immortal in baseball in the last 12 months. Man, we've seen some giants topple. Yeah, we did. You know, and, and as Jackie Robinson, as you said, breaking the color barrier. But you're right. There was an awful lot of people that were rooting against Hank Aaron to become baseball's home run leader, and he just kept on going and plotted his way. So 86 years old, the Hall of Famer passing away today, Hank Aaron, uh, forever remembered in the world of baseball for sure. Uh, gone, but certainly not forgotten. Lots more still to come here. Your Canucks commute coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. And uh, next, a uh, big special announcement. The Jack Diamond Award winner will make it here right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back, 734. Perry and James with you here on a Friday. A Friday where everybody steps up and goes, hmm. Not what we wanted as far as the Vancouver Canucks were concerned. They will play one more. Do they have to? Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) they do. Hey, I'll tell you what. uh, You know, and we'll make our picks as we always do it at 845. I have yet to lose an NHL game that I give our listeners to bet on. I have yet to lose it. I am perfect since the season started. Um, and I believe, did you get it right too? No, I had a 2 nothing yeah. lead by the Flyers in the third, and uh, the Bruins came back and took it in the shootout. So 
I got screwed. There you go. Uh, get more to that. More connects in the song. Text line. Uh, get that in, and we'll. Uh... We'll get her going. Parrot, you know what? Uh, so many charities, so many great causes. Uh, you know, when you have these fundraising and these big gala dinners that we had kind of before COVID kind of impact and shut everything down, um, it, it really helped make a difference for a lot of organizations in the community. And that's been a little bit different the last year. And uh, this year, like so many other events uh, across Metro Vancouver, around the world, uh, we're going virtual. And that is the case for the RBC JCC Sports Dinner coming up in March. And one of the big moments every year at the JCC Sports Dinner is the announcement of the Jack Diamond Award winner. And here to tell us more about that, and we're going to make that announcement this morning here on Sportsnet 650, and Jason Tackerman from the RBC JCC Sports Center returns once again. Uh, can you figure out what's going on with the Canucks here first off, Jason? Well, why would I want to? Because they're playing my Montreal Canadiens. Oh, that's right. You're a Habs oh, fan. You and Ariel. You and Ariel, man. Guys. Two guys this morning. You're just giving it to us. I can't believe you guys had Helwani on this morning. What a promo <laughs> he cut, eh? Like he's on, <laughs> he, he is on fire right now. He's amped up for the Bills, man. I think he he likes his Bills this weekend. I know. His wife, I've known his wife and him forever. We all went to school together. She would kill him if he went through a flaming table, by the way. I heard the segment. (laughs) She would just... He would get in big trouble at home. Also, he's got three kids and a dog. Don't know if he's up for that. Um, But yeah, thank you. Uh, The JC Sports Center, everyone knows the dinner for the auction, the the great sports personality. And of course, James, you're going to be interviewing Shaq on March 3rd. Magic Uh, this year, man. Magic. Magic, yeah. Sorry. What did I say? Shaq was was so two years ago, man. Shaq was so 2018. (laughs) Um, They're going to be interviewing Magic Johnson on March 3rd. Um, You know, we have great solid and live auctions. Tickets are available at jcsportscenter.com. Um, but again, a really key piece of this dinner and really the engine of this dinner is honoring uh, sports personality of the year, someone who excelled in the field of sport, made a positive contribution to our community, and really uh, exudes everything we would want uh, an ambassador of sport to be. Uh, of course, Jack Diamond, he himself was a great, um, was a one-of-a-kind leader in Vancouver and Western Canada, a family-devoted man, a great community builder, and a great sports leader in, 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 in itself. So we are going to honor someone this year. Um, we're very, very excited uh, about the dinner and about everything, and of course, about honoring uh, the person who we have on the line uh, right now. And uh, and with that, uh, without further ado, joining us on the line is uh, the one, the only uh, family. Man, you talk about a name that people were pushing for this one to be on a $5 bill. Fred Fox, brother of Terry Fox, joins us and the recipient of this year's Jack Diamond Award winner for the 2021 edition of the RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Fred, good morning, sir. Good morning, guys. Great, great to be with you. Good morning, Jason. How are you? Good morning, Jason. Are... Give it, Jason. Quickly tell us why the Fox family is the recipient for this year and what it means. There is absolutely no greater Canadian family, no more important Canadian family that means so much to sports, to community, to what it is to wear the to to fly the flag proudly than Terry Fox and Terry Fox Foundation and all the great work that Fred Fox and his family does to uphold that and to educate and to, to nourish, really. And we, on behalf of the RBCJC Sports Center, are proud to have Terry Fox as the recipient of the Jack Diamond Award winner for our 20th annual dinner. Wow. Pear? Fred, uh, nice to, to have you back on. I haven't seen you for a while. Um, does this ever amaze you as you sit back and all the honors countrywide, worldwide, that uh, – the family and, and your brother have, have bestowed upon what he has done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's all, it's all about Terry and, um, 
uh, 40 years later, we just celebrated the 40th anniversary in a very challenging year. And it's amazing that uh, Canadians, and not only Canadians, but people around the world still see Terry as, as an in- inspiration to overcome your challenges. And, um, you know, when it comes to the Jack Diamond Award and the, and the Jewish Community Center uh, dinner, it, Terry would be so proud to know that he's being recognized as, a, as an athlete, as somebody involved in sports, um, you know, raised, born and raised in the Vancouver area and in Port Coquitlam and playing sports and going to Simon Fraser University. So, you know, Terry being recognized with this award, um, he would be so proud to, to know that uh, people in his backyard have, uh, have recognized us. And JCC has been involved with with the Terry Fox run for right from the very beginning. So this, it's amazing to, to see this happen 40 years later. Fred Fox here on Sportsnet 650. And Fred, you know, you look at the impact that Terry's had and, you know, the statues and the streets and, you know, people have been pushing to get him on a $5 bill here in the last year or so. But, you know, when you look at all of this, I mean, it's great. And I'm sure he'd probably be just overwhelmed and, and appreciated and humbled by all of this. But at the same time, like when Terry was in the moment, man, this must have been hard at times for, you know, you, you want to make a difference. You want to do good. But the fact that it got so big at a time 40 years ago, I mean, this is pre-social media, but, man, it was everywhere and everywhere. It must have been hard at times. Well, for sure. Uh, you know, Terry started out with a, a simple dream of uh, wanting to raise a million dollars for cancer research across Canada when he left Newfoundland on April 12, 1980. And, but that, that's what it was about. It wasn't about Terry Fox for Terry. It was about uh, helping other people and wanting to make a difference and impact cancer research in this country. And, you know, it was slow going at the beginning. Not very many people knew what he was doing. But, uh, you know, once he was making his way through southern Ontario, is where everything kind of went a little crazy and a lot of demands on Terry's time. But, uh, you know, in pounding out a marathon, 26 kilometers, 42 or 26 miles, 42 kilometers a day. And, but, um, wow. you know, ter- Terry, it was when it came down to it, it was, you know, Terry wanted the focus to be on why he was running and not, not about Terry Fox. Fred, it's amazing. And I won't use the word resurgence, but, you know, I go back to the summertime when James and I are doing the show and we're both trying to click on to Adidas uh, mm-hmm. comes up with the anniversary shoes and shirts uh, sold out so quickly. And, you know, I eventually got one of the Terry Fox Marathon of Hope shirts. And I'll tell you, I put a picture on social media up because I was wearing it and I was fishing. And people that I know from around the globe, are, where did you get that shirt? I want to use the word resurgence, but... Are there more and more people helping tell Terry's story as if they don't know it, but are there going, man, this this is pride. Remember Todd Bertuzzi said, man, great fish, but where'd you get that shirt? How do I get a Terry Fox shirt? Have you seen that resurgence? Yeah, you know, this summer has been amazing, and we had to kind of do things a little bit differently this year because we were virtual, and um, so the storytelling was amazing. Um, you know, we, we, we shared so much more on the social media platforms than we've ever done before. And people were responding and working with Adidas uh, has been amazing. Um, Mike, Michael Rossi, who is the president of Adidas Canada is on our, uh, on the Terry Fox foundation board of directors. And so it was an easy uh, match between the two of us. Terry wore Adidas running shoes, Orion shoes back in 1980. And, uh, the response to what Adidas did, and again, it, for Adidas, it was about raising money for cancer research. They're predicting probably one and a half million dollars on 
on the merchandise that they came up with, the Terry Fox collection, the shoes, wow. the shirts. It's funny that I, I happen to be wearing one of those Adidas shirts this morning myself. And, um, yeah, it, it's been amazing to see the reaction from people of all walks of life to, uh, you know, sharing their connection to Terry, what they recall, or how Terry has inspired them. Well, it's... My better half wound up finding a pair under the Christmas tree uh, <laughs> this last mm-hmm. month. And uh, you know what? It, the, I think we all – it resonates. I mean, I got four little girls in school right now, and they all know about the importance every September. We know that that, that statement when they come home from school that time of the year, need a toonie for Terry, need a toonie for Terry, and, and what people are doing to this day. Fred, congratulations. It is so deserved. And uh, look forward to the big night coming up uh, in March uh, at the RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Congratulations. And, and man, I, I just don't think anybody ever gets tired of the story. I know I certainly don't. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, you know our family, on behalf of Terry, thanks the Jewish Community Center, the Jack Diamond Award for recognizing him. And and all of those who helped Terry along, whether it was, you know, Stan Stewartson and Alex Devlin at uh, Simon Fraser, Terry Fleming at Terry Fox Secondary, Poco Secondary at the time. So, so many people have been involved with Terry's athletic endeavors early on uh, before he was running the Marathon of Hope. And we're very appreciative of uh, Terry being recognized this year with the Jack Diamond Award. Thank you. Thanks, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Jason Tackerman from the JCC Sports Dinner as well. We will see you coming up in March as well. Uh, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. There we are. Uh, Fred Fox, the uh, recipient of the uh, 2021 Jack Diamond Award. And it's a story that, uh, man, I, I still love. I, I could listen to that story all day um, with with Terry Fox. And it's amazing to think that really it was only a, a year and a half that Terry was a household name for us when he was alive. And here we are 40 plus years later, and it's still as strong as uh, as it is, Pear. Uh, listen, it's the greatest Canadian story there is. Uh, and if you have any relatives from the other part, uh, other parts of the world, then they ask. We used to have a coffee table book that would be out there. And we had some some of the cousins are in from from Britain, and I said, "Do you know of him?" No. What's it all about? And then you tell the story, and they're just gobsmacked, going, "You're kidding me!" But you know, you said there was something under the tree for you, and I found that shirt. You feel good, and I go running in the Port Moody area, and when I run, and the signs are up that it's the Terry Fox training route, you just go, "Man, that's a." That's a slice of Canadian that you're uh, you're always proud of here for anybody in the lower mainland and any ties to Terry and his family and all the buildings that are situated near Port Coquitlam. Uh, it is 7.45 here on this uh, Friday morning. Hey, the Canucks back at it tomorrow night at Rogers Arena. We'll dive in with your Canucks commute coming up in just a few minutes at the top of the clock. Uh, Renaud Lavoie, one of the best hockey insiders in the business from TVA Sports, will join it. But in a moment, no BS, just straight up PS. Next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Let's find some fun facts on a Friday morning, 7.50, on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks uh, Sports at 6.50. To be a superstar, you have to play through pain. We watch it nightly in the NHL. We watch it weekly in the NFL. But do we see it in music? And I've never been embraced. And the money's hard to make. So I bet they're on their face right now. Man, whether it was that hit by Marshawn Lynch in his video... Uh, but Drake announcing, hey, my sixth album, Certified Lover Boy, I'm not going to drop this month. ACL torn, it's full on recovery for more. I can't do it. You guys have played with no ACL. Can't you record and drop an album, James? 
<laughs> uh, anything is possible. What did we learn a couple weeks ago? Anything is possible from last you Sunday. If Chad, I mean, if Chad Henney can lead the Chiefs to victory, why not? Um, hey, you know, Shaq was actually mentioned. It's Magic Johnson, who is the guest speaker in the JCC event coming up. Shaq did it a few years ago. And you know what? We know Shaq can do it all. Watch it, boy. You don't want to diss me or I'll dish out my misery. Yeah, that's Shaq acting in Kazam. Shaq not enforcing pain, but got a job yesterday. He is now a community leader. He is the office director of community relations for the Atlanta Police Department. He's had a lot of badges uh, kind of Hasn't as an uno- unofficial cop. Is Actually, it's funny. When Shaq came to town uh, back for the JCC Sports Dinner in 2018, he, he kind of has his handler or, I don't know, but kinda, just his guy who's with him. And, and it's, um, it's a former Newark, uh, New Jersey police officer where Shaq is from. And he's a longtime family friend, and he just kind of goes with where he's, you know, quasi-security, kind of quasi-best buddy and, just a longtime family friend. So I think, you know, law enforcement has, you know, runs deep in that uh, O'Neill household. Uh, here's one way to get friends and, and, and fans. Did you hear me? I said, get going. Did you think you was going to come in here and drink with the men? Set him up, bartender. Two whiskeys. Who doesn't like having a drink, like drink with somebody? Here. John Lester didn't work for him no. back in November. He spent $47,000 for Chicago Cub fans. Said, hey, man, there's three bars. Go have some beers. 5,000 beers were there. $47,000. He left a $16,000 tip. He just wanted to thank Chicago and the fans because it was the end of his contract. You thought that might be good enough, but the Cubs didn't come up to the plate with him yesterday. He signed a new one-year deal with the Washington Nationals. But forever, for a guy who bought 5,000 beers forever, a fan, I'm sure, of Chicago baseball fans. Yeah, I, I would hope that somebody would buy him a You know, I would think anybody that was part of that Cubs roster in 2016, you end a 100-year-old drought or curse from winning, you should never have to pay for a drink in Chicago, right? Like, it's like if, when the Canucks, if and when they finally win a Stanley Cup, anybody who's on that roster should never have to pay for a beverage anywhere they go in this region for as long as they live. First time in New York when Messier was a Canucks and we went back there, I thought this guy could live here without a wallet for probably three or four months because he brought him that Stanley Cup and everybody loved him. And finally, P.S. Oval Office Renos appear to be done. Just for the fun of it, just for the fun of it, the number one of it, Diet Coke. Just for the style of it, just for the James, you know how it is when you go to YouTube and we're looking to get this segment done? I was singing that all last night. One of the great lyrics, Diet Coke. <laughs> Joe Biden has officially removed a red button that was on the Oval Desk that apparently Donald Trump had there to press the button and make sure someone would bring him a Diet Coke. No longer there in the Oval Office. Well, you know, change is happening, right? You know, the, the two big priorities for Joe Biden, kill the Keystone XL pipeline and kill the button to get you a Diet Coke. Because he's all you about know, Diet you- Pepsi. <laughs> You know what was interesting watching that Diet Coke commercial? Completely forgot. You know who's part of that and he just never did anything? Was Walter Payton. Huh. Walter Payton was a big pitch man. Had a big smile going with the Diet Coke in him. Had a great smile. Who would have yeah. thought? No BS, everybody. That's just PS on a Friday morning. 
Five minutes to uh, 8 o'clock. Your Canucks commute uh, coming up at the top of the clock. Renaud Lavoie, a hockey insider from TBA Sports, will also join the discussion as well. Canucks uh, absolutely uh, lay an egg and a big one at that last night, falling 7-3 to the Montreal Canadiens. We'll dive in with that, 650-650 at the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of you jumping in with a lot of different opinions in terms of what's wrong with this team right now, whether it's goaltending, whether it's the blue line, whether it's up front. Even behind the bench as well. We'll get into all of it next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. I think PD's going to be fine. PD's a, a heck of a hockey player. He's one of the best centermen in the world, in my opinion. We don't care if he, you know, scores goals and um, gets points or whatever. It's just a matter of working hard and and, uh, and helping this team win. And, and I know PD's going to do that all year for us. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. Five games and counting without a point for Elias Pettersson. Uh, that's a problem. That's not good when your best player is uh, nowhere to be found for uh, a significant chunk of games over a stretch as the Canucks uh, were blasted last night. 7-3 by the Montreal Canadiens. It's your Canucks commute here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski, Perry Sokowski, and a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir, John, and the rest of the gang located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. And Perry, I'm going to say this quickly because the latest, it's been pretty quiet with respect to uh, anything from player safety on social media or an update from the league. But at this point in time, it seems based on a lot of different reports out there that Tyler Myers may have dodged a bullet and doesn't look like at this point that he is going to be facing suspension, according to what several have been reporting over the last 12 hours or so. Well, we'll see if if somehow Alex Edler can be back because, you know, the fear going into last night was, man, you got three young guys on the blue line. It's going to be tough. That wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem at all. Brogan Rafferty give back that first effort, but you know, you're going to make mistakes. The issue with Travis green and he called his team maybe a little bit immature last night, which man, that is damning. You don't want to be called soft and you don't want to be called immature thinking maybe it would be easier than it has been. And you heard Bo Horvat, you know, PD will be fine. It was a colossal collapse by the Vancouver Canucks. And to me, it wasn't just on the ice. It was between the ears too. The mistakes they made and what they did, it was shinny hockey. It was shinny hockey with nobody there. You may as well have been at eight rinks. It doesn't happen that way. You have to come back. If they thought two points were being handed out at any point this year, man, they were sorely wrong. And, and James, it, it's funny, and I understand it. We do this every morning. But people calling for Travis Green, people calling for Jim Benning and who he let go. It's a panic mode. Don't worry about that. But there is... There is the realization, how are they getting out of this? It's not who they don't have. It's what they have and the lack of effort from the people that they decided were going to be a big part of this team going forward. Well, just so many areas about this team last night that you just did not like. And, you know, I, I think the one the one thing that really kind of probably guts a lot of people or feels like a punch in the gut is Tyler Toffoli's performance the last couple of nights pair. You know, five goals and an assist in the last two games. And, you know, how many of us have kind of said, man, if you could have only found a way to have hung on to Tyler Toffoli. And and this is where Jim Benning's kind of taken a kick in the A-double crooked letter this week where, you know, it's the salary cap management when all of a sudden it's you're reminded of all these names that – 
you know what, you couldn't afford Tyler Toffoli, but you still got room for Louis Erickson and Sven Berchi that counts for the cap. And Brandon Sutter's got one more year, and I don't think Brandon Sutter's been a problem on this team, but Jay Beagle at $3 million. And Antoine Roussel, who's done nothing really for the last two seasons, you know, collecting $3 million on an AAV. The Luongo recapture, and I know that's not Benning's fault, but you put all those salaries together, and you're talking about more than a quarter of the salary cap you're talking about over 22 million dollars of almost dead money for the Vancouver Canucks and you couldn't afford Tyler Toffoli who goes out and signs a very modest four-year deal at four million dollars on an AAV and showing that he had a great fit here in Vancouver in a small sample size with Petey and Miller. And he also showed that he loves playing in Vancouver because the numbers showed last night that in 22 games in the city of Vancouver, JT Miller now has 16 freaking goals and 25 points. Like the guy suddenly turns into Wayne Gretzky or Mark Messier or, bad example, sorry, I'll take that one back, Mario Lemieux or Steve Eiserman or Joe Sackick, guys who absolutely killed this franchise. And Tyler Toffoli comes and plays, and he looks at Vancouver and plays big, and he got away, and now he's kicking the ass of the Vancouver Canucks because they couldn't afford him. A week ago, though, everyone's going, who is Niels Hoglander? This is unbelievable. Great move by management and Travis Green to go, this guy's going to get an opportunity in the top six. And you go, all right, he's going to be able to play in the top six. Nice job of throwing a rookie in there and saving the $16 million you did on Tyler Toffoli. So it's going to go whichever way the wind is blowing. And right now there's a real stench being brought. It's like, like the Canucks are by a manure farm, and it's not pretty at all. So then you go back, well, what mistakes did you make? You know, Jim Benning was being praised a couple of weeks ago. Well, you couldn't keep Tanif, but what an upgrade on the blue line. You're giving up Tanif, and you bring in Travis Hamannick, and you got Nate Schmidt. They're better on the blue line. They're not right now. Maybe they will be. The concern I think you should have is we are slowly coming to the point where we're going to be 25% through this season, and you haven't seen anything of what you thought would be sure things. You thought it would be a sure thing that Petey would light it up, and that line would be good. Your question, Mark, was, oh, what's Brock and Besser going to give you? Besser's been great. Bo Horvath, can he continue from the bubble? Yeah, damn right he can. So now you've got that in Pearson, and you go, wow, if you had Bogo and you had Tyler Foley, that's great. It's the woulda, shoulda, couldas. I won't deal with that. Travis Green's not going to deal with that. It's what's in front of you. And that's the biggest problem, that what's in front of you are some guys that thought this was going to be easy and are coasting a little bit. And now you get banged up with injuries. You have your COVID scare, lose some people. And, okay, how have you bounced back? And they haven't bounced back yet. Our poll question, Sports at 650, goes, okay, what's the problem with this team? We're asking you, is it defensive depth? Is it the effort? You saw that yesterday. Is it the goaltending? Is it EP struggles? Right now, everybody's going defensive depth, and that's logical. You know, we know in, in Toronto today, no Austin Matthews, Joe Thornton gone for a month. Everyone will get their depth challenge. It's terrible, the injuries they have. Maybe you can succumb to one or two on the blue line, but I think that is not the biggest problem right now. It's glaring, but it's everybody up front playing to the best of their abilities. But James, 6% said it's the goaltending. Yeah, you missed Jacob Markstrom, but he hasn't been the cause. How Factor Demko has played and Brandon Hope had played, they haven't been the problem with this. The team and the effort they put out have been the problem. Let's hear from Travis Green. Let's hear from Nate Schmidt here. Here's Travis Green, who really didn't mince words about what he saw from his team last night. Well, we weren't just giving up scoring chances. It's We were giving up goals. We gift probably four to five goals. It wasn't just it wasn't a game where we were hemmed in our zone 
the whole game. It was just giving breakaways, giving up. Like I said, in this league, if you give up chances that are gifts, you're gonna you're gonna lose bad. We did that tonight. So there's Travis Green. Yeah, just I mean, terrible. I mean, just the the effort and what what crashed down for me in, in a cold dose of reality was that Josh Anderson goal where he goes in and scoops up a rebound that no Canucks seem to want. That you look at the images after on the replay that nobody is hustling on the back check. You're giving up a breakaway, and the second man in is a Montreal Canadian, Josh Anderson. Like, that was terrible. Nate Schmidt weighed in on this as well and kind of talking about as the new kid on the block, man, this is a different style of play right now for this team compared to what they were all about last summer. You see how hard we can make it on teams to win. And just something that, you know, I spoke about in the summer when I first got traded here as something that I thought was such a positive with the group that wasn't ever going to let this go, let things like this be easy for other teams to come in and win. Um, it's a, to get check a reality check on where we are as a group. So there's Nate Schmidt right there, pair. Um, you know, Jake and Port Moody, it was ugly hockey. Watching games league-wide right now, there's a lot of ugly hockey. These guys are professionals. They'll figure it out. Yeah, it was ugly. So Jake looking at it from an optimistic standpoint. A few other texts coming in here right now. Canucks will be lucky to finish above the Sens in the basement of the division. I'd say the, the, the way they're playing right now, it does appear that way. But I would also say that I don't see I don't see the Canucks, you know, you know, they're they're better. They're way more talented than the Ottawa Senators, but they're playing like a basement team right now. And the effort needs to be better pair. Yeah, you know, our Canucks in a song, as you listen to Nate Schmidt, it's almost like he's channeling, who are you? Like, hang on here. You are not the hockey team that I played against in the bubble. And, and you know, you didn't have Tyler Toffoli for a lot of that. And, yeah, you're, you're missing some other guys. But Thatcher Demko was there. Chris Tanev was there. But there's that was that was there and, and no longer. But it's where's that fight? Like, I thought I was coming to a team where we were going to battle. And that's that's kind of what Travis Green is questioning. Show me that fight. I, I think you you take hope in the fact that they've been poor against a really good Montreal team. Um, but when you saw them play against Edmonton and you saw that first period against Calgary, and I like that Calgary Flames hockey team. You just said, holy smokes, man. Yeah, that's where it is. The extra step, they're ready to go. Uh, they've lost it. I'm not so sure they find it tomorrow night. I think they'll be more than happy to see the Montreal Canadiens go. But you've got to figure it out against the Ottawa Senators because, man, I can only imagine this show in the text line if Ottawa comes to town and wins that series, then you might be in a conversation to go, I don't even know if you're getting out of the basement. Too good to be in the position they're in, but they got to change it real quick. Well, let's not put the cart before the horse, right? you got to take care of business tomorrow night against Montreal. Carey Price will probably want to atone. For, like, he's motivated to be better than giving yep. up those five goals from two nights ago. But you know what? I, I think you're going to have uh, <laughs> an upset and hopefully a pissed-off Canucks squad. But the fact is what you're looking at on the blue line right now is a severely undermanned squad that has a lack of experience for depth, and that could be a major problem tomorrow night at Rogers Arena. Joining us here uh, on this Canucks commute is one of the best hockey insiders in the business. From TBA Sports, old buddy of mine from way back in the day, Monsieur Le- Renault Lavoie. How are you, sir? It's been a while. <laughs> thanks for having. 
thanks for having me this morning. It's fun to talk to you guys. It is nice to talk to you. I, I guess first things first, Renault, um, I guess a lot of people talking about the Tyler Myers hit late on Armia. Yeah. Uh, Armia obviously suffering a concussion, according to uh, Claude Julian. Can you give us any sense of what player safety is thinking? There's been a lot of suggestions that he may not get anything for yeah. this. Yeah, there's some suggestion, obviously, that they it, it, it's not a, you know, a direct hit to the head. I think there's one replay, though, that shows that, you know, even if uh, the body is probably the, you know, uh, the, the main point of contact, I feel like the head is right there, too. Um, the thing is, sometimes with some gray areas, you can play with your decision, right? Uh, you can decide that, uh, you know, it was, uh, yes, a dangerous play. You receive a five-minute penalty. On, uh, obviously, was expelled from the game. Uh, but uh, does this hit deserve a suspension? I can go uh, look at the rules and find ways to say yes, and I can find ways to say no. That's the problem, I believe, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, the rules right now because Tyler Myers was not going for the puck. You're going to tell me that the puck was in the area. You're totally right. But he moved. He, he decided not to move uh, to, to get the puck on his left. He decided just to finish his, his check with a player with his head down. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Let, not, we won't sugarcoat it. That's the reality here. Uh, does this deserve a suspension? There's more people. There's some people that are obviously being paid to make those decisions, so you have to respect that. But if it was me and if somebody asked me, is this an illegal hit and this does this deserve to be, uh, does Myers deserve to be suspended? The answer is quite easy. It's yes. Because it, even if I, you, you, you want to make sure that hits are going to stay in the game, look at Shea Weber, the way he's playing, guys. Uh, even if the frustration level is really high at the end of a game where you're going and you're getting blown out. And believe me, Shea Weber has been through that over his career with Nashville or Montreal over the years. I never, I never saw Shea Weber doing something like that with the Montreal Canadiens. Never. So I, I, I don't like, and Shea Weber is one of the toughest guy, a guy in the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't like yeah. the way, uh, things uh, were uh, were going with uh, with uh, with that hit, and uh, so I, I I don't know I don't know I, I mean it's uh, hopefully hopefully um, you know the league will find a way in the in the future to to make sure that you know what guys we don't like these hits anymore uh, and we need we need to to suspend the players that are I think acting with frustration. And they're not playing the puck. They're, they they just want to finish their check with a player uh, that is uh, really in a vulnerable position. That's what happened yeah, last night. Yeah, Renaud, I, I do think you have to take into consideration what the score in the game was, how much time is left, and the frustration that Tyler Myers had. I'm sure there was no intent, but the bottom line is there was no need for that at that point in the game, too, and you don't want to see headshots. From a distance, as we sit here and we've been taking everything apart for 48 hours on a Canucks team and that outscored their problems in the game one of this series. And then what we saw last night, what have you seen? Has it been a, a just a confident and a well-balanced Montreal team? Or do you see it and go, man, what's wrong with that Vancouver Canucks squad out in the West Coast? Uh, you know what? They, they, the, the Canadians, they're playing well. 
Can they be better? The answer to that is crystal clear, yes. I don't like the way they're playing defensively, to be honest with you. There is some uh, letdown during games, uh, and, and it was obvious that the Canucks uh, Wednesday night took advantage of it. Uh, so there is some uh, adjustment, which is totally normal. There was no preseason games. It's early in the season. So um, overall, it's tough not to be satisfied with the way the Canadians are playing. If you're looking at the Canucks, there's some ups and downs. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like goaltending was a problem last, last night. The way they played defensively was a major issue. Uh, it's it looks like a decor uh, that's uh, really struggling. It's obvious there was some injured players, but uh, you know that that's when you look at the overall picture and you look at a guy like Quinn Hughes is a really he's an unbelievable uh, skilled defenseman, especially offensively. But you know the, he, he, they're they're gonna exploit the fact that he's a small defenseman. So I think that uh, Quinn needs needs help. Uh, when I'm saying he needs help, he needs veteran players around him, which is really tough right now with all the injured uh, uh, D's uh, in Vancouver. So, with the Canucks, so we'll we'll see. I think it's going to be a struggle. Uh, I'm with you guys. I believe that uh, you know the Canucks can't wait to see the Canadians leave um, tomorrow night or maybe Sunday morning. But that being said, if you look at the schedule, it's going to be really important to play well versus the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you need you need to get these points, and the Senators are not an easy team to beat. So, so I, I feel like even if we're what in the second week of the season, I, I do believe that uh, it's crunch time for uh, for some teams right now. No, it certainly is. Renault Lavoie with us here on Sportsnet 650. Look at Montreal; you still haven't lost in regulation yet, um, Renault. Yeah. Why? What for a team that had so many newcomers to this roster, right? You look at all the the additions. I mean, the one thing I liked is they brought so many Stanley Cup winners. But why has this team gelled so quickly? Well, you know what? It, I I believe if you look at the players coming in, uh, you look at the character of uh, the players coming in. Um, you know that that was one of the main focus for for Mark Bergevin. Yes, there was some skilled players available. Um, when the uh, the market opened, but Mark Bergevin wanted to have players with character, leaders. Um, so maybe Taylor Hall was available, uh, and maybe he looked at it a little bit. He never made any offer, but it's not the type of player that Mark Bergevin likes. He likes, uh, you know, players with leadership, uh, character, winners. That's how you build a, fr- a franchise. And you ha- when you have a guy like like uh, uh, Shea Weber as your captain, I mean, and, and you have Carey Price in that, and you have Brendan Gallagher, uh, I mean, the character level on this team is really, really high. And, and a guy like Josh Anderson coming in, it's really easy for him to fit in because he's a big body. That's what the Canadians want. So he doesn't have to do... Uh, to play the savior on the ice, he just needs to play his game, and that's what I believe right now. Uh, what is making the the Canes a, a successful team is just need to do your job. Just do your job, and we're going to be okay. And and that's that's what I see right now with the Montreal Canadiens. He does have a really nice mix, a really nice balance 
Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois watched two periods of hockey yesterday. It seems to be coming to an yeah. end in Columbus. Do you think Bergevin tinkers with that and all the conversations we hear of, oh, he, he'd love to be coming to Montreal. Do you think there's some there's some truth to that and Bergevin is looking at that? There's some truth to uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc wants to be a Montreal Canadiens, but I'm going to tell you that he, he, he wants to play for other teams too. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, talks are not, and, and obviously the Blue Jackets are not going to say, hey, Pierre, look, we're going to do you a favor. We're going to trade you to the Montreal Canadiens because you want to be traded there. It's not going to happen this way. The problem that you have, and I, I mentioned it la- last week on Twitter, is the quarantine period, 14 days. Uh, you know, you're, the Canadiens are going to lose a player for so at least seven games. There is, if you look at the schedule, a, a week long that the Kings are not going to play uh, somewhere in February. So that, quote unquote, can help, uh, you know, to, to uh, have a player like Dubois being, being quarantined in Montreal. And if the team is not playing that week, that helps. Instead of playing seven, eight games, maybe he's going to, uh, he's not going to, he's going to miss maybe around four or five games. That's going to help. But as of right now, Mark Bergevin really likes his team, and, and, and rightly so. So if you make a move like that, you're not going to trade Nick Suzuki for Pierre-Luc Dubois as much as uh, Pierre-Luc is good. Nick Suzuki is the future of that franchise. Uh, the only player that you we can question is, uh, yes, third cut, Kenyemi. But I don't see how, where the, um, you know, the Blue Jackets are going to be winners of that trade if they're trading uh, you know, a guy like uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for Kotkaniemi. And, and at the same time, the Canes need to uh, to make sure that Columbus is not going to only take Kotkaniemi. They need to take maybe another player like uh, Paul Byron or that that's making a lot of money on the fourth line. So I, I'm not I'm not sure that there's a fit, to be honest with you, with the Montreal Canadiens for many reasons, especially because I believe that the Canes, they don't have that much to offer. They're not going to offer uh, Romanov, they're not going to offer Suzuki. <laughs> and if you're the, the Blue Jackets, why would you make a trade with Montreal if one of those two guys is not involved in that trade? So that's, that's why I believe uh, that there's not a fit as of right now. Can it change? Maybe. As of right now, I don't see any fits. Renault, nice to catch up with you, sir. It's uh, no shortage of storylines to kick off this oh. uh, this 2021 NHL season and uh, makes for fun for all of us. But, uh, yeah, no shortage of drama. Thanks for this. Nice to catch up uh, with you again and uh, stay safe out there, okay? Thank you, and enjoy the weekend, please. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very Ralph. much. Uh, here's hoping that maybe a Canucks win might really make the weekend a little bit better. We're supposed to get snow this weekend as well, Pear. I, 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 that was a great way to end the call that almost was, like, authoritative. Uh, thank you very much, and enjoy the weekend, please. Like, don't take the weekend for granted, everybody. Like, make sure you enjoy it. Yeah, I, I was thinking the other day, it's been nice, though, that maybe, we, maybe we're going to avoid snow. It's been a long time since we've been able to get through a, a year with snow. Last year was terrible. We had some terrible days in January and February for snow. Hey, man, it's, it's amazing. The Canucks win tomorrow, and our text line, and everybody is getting fired by the Canucks, by all, all the listeners. It's amazing that, hey, somehow, someway, they get a really good effort tomorrow. Think of it's difficult with Carey Price back in goal. You actually end up winning this series, right? But it just was the performance was Willie Desjardins ugly type. Like it's been a long time since Travis Green's team has looked like that. 
That said, it was, and, and you know, that was the one thing I saw a lot of on social media last night following the game. It came up a lot on the Canucks post game show here on Sportsnet 650 with uh, Sat Shaw and, and the boss, Craig McEwen, stepping in there last night doing some heavy lifting as well. But, you know, people just appalled by the lack of effort, you know, the lack of heart. You know, we talked about the Josh Anderson goal and how nobody seemed to to put a little extra oomph trying to get back into the play and try to help out Thatcher Demko there. And I mean, that's, that's the concern because we're, we're past that ugly rebuild stage, right? We, we all put up with it for years mm-hmm. here in this market for close to a half a decade pair. We ate it. We watched it. It sucked. And, and to see that sort of effort last night where it was, just wasn't good enough. And you can, you can understand that injuries are part of the game. I think we get that. You know what I mean? to thrust, you know, Ole Olevian for the minutes that he had to play last night. And Brogan Rafferty, we've heard a lot about his offensive upside. But, man, like defensively, he's a ways to go before he is an NHL regular, right? We saw that last night. He was too soft in front of his own net. And Jalen Chatfield well, looked some promising the other night but got hurt early. You know, the, the minutes that other guys had to assume, you know, Hughes – and Myers and Schmidt, they cannot do with just the three of them, right? When two of your top four defensemen are out, it's not sustainable to win. But that's the effort that you can still give, and we didn't see that. Well, doing my best to be positive, Perry, last night, I'm going, holy smokes, and well, I guess if nothing else, your Levy's going to get 20-plus minutes, and these guys are going to be put in positions they shouldn't be. So hopefully down the road, when it's just one injury, they are that much more confident. But I'll admit, I am grasping at straws. The disappointing thing is is the lack of lack of effort from everyone. You know, and, and sometimes, I mean, that game was done by the time the third period rolls around. And you could see the frustration, but how do you fix it, right? Where Where is that fix coming up? Is it inconceivable PD has four points tomorrow? No, not at all. But you just wonder. You could hear Bo Horvat saying PD is going to be okay, suggesting that he's probably walking around moping and for the first time in his life questioning his ability, going, what am I doing? Everything I touch doesn't work. This is not the type of hockey player I am supposed to be at this point in a heart trophy conversation. He is nowhere near that. So listen, it's a real gut check time. And and it's funny. You and I said, Travis Green signing extension. That is the last thing to be worried about. It will happen. He's done too much with his team. The only exception was if Travis Green doesn't sign an extension and he's not here, that means that this team has been absolutely awful. And unfortunately it's going that way, but I'm quite sure they'll write the ship. But in seven days time, We'll be okay. That's a little bit better. And now they're coming back and getting healthy. But there was an awful lot of signs of concern last night. Seeing a few people, David and Dymo, texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, suggesting that the trouble is green. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen a few of those this morning and, and some frustration just how the team responded. Look, they've each won a game in this mini series against Montreal, right? The Canucks won one of these. They got absolutely curb stomped last night. Let's see how they respond tomorrow because. That was absolutely pitiful, the effort we saw last night in terms of the hustle, the heart, the, the, the passion from the Canucks. That was disappointing, I think, for a lot of people. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Hey, after every Canucks game, we play Canucks in a song. We want to hit the music before we get out of here at 9 o'clock, so if you got a submission, a song that sums up what you saw on the ice last night, hit us up at 650-650 or at Sportsnet 650. We'll hit the music. We'll share our submissions as well before we get going. But in a moment, it's Championship Sunday in the National Football League this weekend. Chiefs, Bills, Packers, Bucks. But why this weekend means more to Aaron Rodgers than any of those all-star, rock-star, Pro Bowl quarterbacks. And I'll explain that next. And Seaball says here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, as we reach Championship Sunday in the NFL, just two sleeps from now, the league seems to be at a crossroads with its stars. In the AFC, it's the now and the future in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, while the NFC features the old school. Guys trying to maintain their spots on top, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Four quarterbacks, and every single one of them you'd be happy to have as your pivot. I always want to feel like I'm the best quarterback for this team. I want to earn it every single day. Brady is Brady. No matter how he fares this weekend, his body of work still makes a strong claim to being the Mahomes? Best player in the NFL right now. Don't even don't even at me, okay? With a Super Bowl MVP and a Super Bowl MVP already under his belt, he could potentially, health permitting, be the best ever when it's all said and done. Allen's stock has absolutely skyrocketed in Buffalo and probably hasn't even peaked just yet. If he falters, we'll all likely view it as a, we'll see you again. I'll be back. And that brings us to A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Packer, Bear Hunter, Viking Slayer, Lion Tamer. Rodgers has dominated the NFC North and has established himself as one of the greatest regular season quarterbacks of all time. He's got a Super Bowl ring, too. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. It's been quite a year for the nine-time Pro Bowler. Think about this. After a tumultuous offseason where Green Bay drafted quarterback Jordan Love in round one of the 2020 draft, many thought that the 37-year-old's time at Lambeau was coming to an end sooner rather than later. Instead, he went out and he threw 22 more touchdowns this season and seems poised to win the NFL's MVP award. At a time when Brady and Manning were at their peak years, Rodgers was still in the discussion as the best QB in the league. But here's where it gets complicated. Rodgers just won in three in NFC Championship games. And that's without ever having to face Manning or Brady to get there. He's not necessarily viewed as a big game quarterback. With four chances to reach the Super Bowl, A-Rod has delivered just once, tossing more picks than touchdowns in NFC title games. How crazy is that? This is somewhat shocking for a guy who's averaged better than four touchdowns to one pick over the course of his 13 years as a starter. Dude, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Wait a minute. That's it. I don't get it. Huh? What are the optics of a quarterback who has entered the discussion as one of the best to play the game, winning just once? At 37, Rodgers is on the clock. How many more chances will he get? That's why this weekend, no one has more at stake among these four stud quarterbacks than A-Rod. Another Super Bowl cements his legacy as one of the greatest. A loss Sunday, and the debate continues about just how good can a quarterback be if they've only reached the championship game just once. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. It's as compelling as you want because each one of these teams should be there. You know, they are exactly where they should be. 
Buffalo Bills are there. There seems to be that team that is something special. But James, I agree with you. I think they're going to be good for a long time. I wonder about the health of Patrick Mahomes and not so much the head, it's the toe and how he was moving around that football field last weekend. He needs to be mobile. But Andy Reid there, you just go, I, I don't know about the AFC Championship game. I feel more confident in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers dethroning uh, Tampa Bay. I, I just, he is the GOAT. He is Tom Brady. He proved that. But Tom Brady was not very good last Sunday in the first half. He figured it out. But they put the ball in the end zone thanks to big, big turnovers, and they didn't have to drive the ball very much. I think Green Bay will find themselves in a Super Bowl. When they get there, I will take Aaron Rodgers because he seems to be playing so relaxed. And he's been doing it, to your point, where you thought from a standpoint of the GM, rather than getting him help, they get a quarterback kind of going, you yeah, know, I, I think you're on the back nine. In fact, you might be done before you know it. And he has taken that and brought everyone together. Devontae Adams has been exceptional. They take that away from him. He's got his tight end. They got a running game. I like the fact that I think two more football games away from now, you're right. Aaron Rodgers will be there with a big smile, very relaxed, and he's got to be considered one of the best. But the record says he can't get it done in the big games. I think that changes Sunday afternoon. I like I like the Packers, and it's funny. As I was going through the numbers here, Rodgers has thrown seven picks in NFC Championship games. He's got yeah. six touchdowns. Like, this is a guy who's got, you know what I mean? He's got 426 touchdown passes, and he's thrown about 100 picks in his career. And yet he's got more picks when it matters most in the NFC Championship game to get to that Super Bowl. It's it's weird. But I'll take, you know what, the what we've seen this year from Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to be denied. The Packers are the better team this year. And I know they got the crap kicked out of them by the Bucks at the beginning of the season. That was one of Rodgers' worst games, I think, as a pro. But give me the Packers to take care of business. They have been the best team in the NFC all year. Brady's in a zone right now, and despite the fact that he was, he was far from perfect last week, you look at the numbers that Brady's put up over the last two months, he's all right. But give me the Pack at home at Lambeau. Fans or no fans. I think they're going to cover the number at three and a half here for Green Bay, and they're going to the Super Bowl. And in the AFC, give me the champs at home. At, at minus three, you know what? I, I, they're terrible against the spread this year, but this game is essentially a pick em in a lot of ways That you know, with a field goal at stake. I'll take KC to be the man. you got to beat the man. And I'm going to say that Kansas City, they're the man. Buffalo's been phenomenal this year, but I'll take the Chiefs at home. Yeah, and the old lose to win, I think, is apropos for the Bills and Rodgers last year against San Francisco when, you know, you mentioned all his picks. He threw a couple in that game. It's okay. We were there once. We had high expectations. We didn't get it done. We're better. I I, uh, I think we see a Green Bay and we see a Kansas City, and that just makes it, you know, for as compelling as you can find in, in, in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. And, and you can't look. We wondered going into this year who was going to be better, who misses who. Tom Brady's been everything advertised for the Bucs. He's given them this opportunity. As stoked as Buffalo fans are, you've seen old guys come out of the woodworks and go, hey, the Bucs, we're here, we're making that run. I won't be shocked. I just won't put any money on it. I think the Packers, it's their year, they're at home, and no one's slowing them down. 
Hundred uh, percent. So there you go. That's our predictions for uh, this weekend championship Sunday in the National Football League. Eight forty one, six fifty, six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. Get those submissions in. We'll hit the music and we'll try to pick you some winners tonight in the National Hockey League. That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet six fifty. Here's your Canucks in a song. Texting in at 650-650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. He's going with loser after the Canucks got punked by the Montreal Canadiens last night at Rogers Arena. That's his Canucks and his song. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski. Reminder this hour, a presentation of Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Man, the Canucks were big-time losers last night, Pear. Every which way possible. Losers in the head, the way they thought about the game. Losers in their effort, the way they tried. Losers in not having the talent step up that they needed. It was ugly. That was an all-time ugly. That was an all-time Travis Green ugly. He will look back and go, as far as poor efforts, that may have been the worst. It's tough on a Zoom call to show you're irritated, but by calling his team maybe a little bit immature, that stings back like it was years ago when he said this team might have been a little bit soft. Somebody better show up. And don't look for your captain. He's been there. And don't look for number six. He's been there too. Look around everywhere else and go, have you been good enough? And they better find it tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens. And even if they do, James, I don't think it makes a difference. I don't think they're as good as Montreal right now, simply because they're not healthy, even if they play well. If the Habs play well with Carey Price, they're not winning the hockey game. You got a franchise player who's admitted he has got zero confidence right now. That's not a recipe for success. Um, and you know, a defense that is clearly uh, you know undermanned, where two of your top four defensemen are essentially sidelined right now with Travis Hamonic and Alex Edler. And so that brings me to my Canucks in a song this morning here, pair. I'm a going a little Motown classic, Jackson Five. I want you back. I miss Edler. I miss Hamannick. I really miss Tyler Toffoli this week. I miss Jacob Markstrom. I miss Chris Tanev. I want everybody back. I want the injured back. I want the free agents back. I want it all. That's how I'm feeling. Cast your net, buddy, on just the guys who actually play for this team anymore. I know it would be nice to have everybody back. Not the case. You know what I want, and here's where my Canucks in a song was. I want to out to a hockey game and not go... What were you doing? It happened too much yesterday. Two shorthanded goals. It's a pretty simple word. Old school Aretha Franklin. are in your head get it together guys don't throw pucks across the blue line don't leave everybody out to dry your goalies have been okay it's how you played in front of them 
making stupid decisions think tomorrow night against Montreal? Uh, man, you got to be smarter, and and that's it. I mean, uh, Viking stat texting in at six fifty six fifty, combining injuries with our best player in the world uh, is the worst I've ever seen. Petey coughing up the puck for shorthanded breakaway, and then falls trying to get back. It's comically bad right now. No way this team is this bad. Patience. Uh, Jason texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. He's going with Joel Plaskett. You let me down. Crying to myself and trying to shake this feeling. Elena is going with a little old school REM, and this one really kind of cuts deep because everybody hurts. Everybody hurts sometimes. Just feel sad hearing that, right? And that was kind of how a lot of people felt last night watching that play sometimes out. Elena. Uh, good submission there. Uh, how about Khan texting in, going with a little Green Day, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I walk this empty street on the Boulevard of Broken Dreams where the city sleeps. You know, Perry, you think of Broken Dreams, Broken Raverty finally gets in there. Yolevi's back in there. Chatfield, and, and look at how it kind of plays out, right? Chatfield gets hurt, and two other kids get absolutely overwhelmed out there. You know, it's going to happen. We have seen in the history of this team, injuries just come, and you go, man, these guys have no luck at all. Um, and, and so Chatfield getting hurt, Edler getting hurt, Hamannick getting hurt, that's that's terrible. But the fact is, if you played harder, um, and if you still lose the game, it's a little easier for everybody to take. I think the difficulty was those who were healthy, uh, the effort that was there. And and you just there's just no excuses. You know, and, and Ian McIntyre the other day said, well, listen, they missed JT Miller. There's no excuses, but there are. You know, I haven't seen them from any other teams in the NHL. Toronto's going to be a little hurt today. You've got to get through it and at least put that effort. If they lose tomorrow night, but play harder, play smarter, and you don't see the goals they're giving up, I think you could go, okay, let's start building. Here comes Ottawa. See what you can do. But my goodness, for the third week of the season to begin with Ottawa here on Monday, it's unbelievable that became kind of must-win games right to ship if you don't get it done tomorrow couple of other great submissions coming in over the course of the morning as well. Jeff with Round and Round from Rat. Also, Doran from Victoria listening in. Uh, I can't quit you, baby, by Led Zeppelin. No matter how bad it gets, I still love Mike and Ox. So, well said there. Uh, hey, the Scott Ritual Show coming up just moments from now. Uh, Chris Cuthbert from Hockey Night in Canada. Shane Doan set to join Scotty here in just a few short minutes. Uh, time for a little show-me-the-money pair. We already made our NFL Championship Sunday picks. What do you got on the ice tonight? Uh, you know what I'll do is I will go to the Edmonton Oilers. They don't feel super confident, but no Austin Matthews, no Joe Thornton. Take advantage of that. Maybe the injuries, maybe the Oilers who somehow squeaked it out the other night can make it two in a row in Toronto and follow Connor McDavid. You know, it's funny. That's twice this week we both take in the Oilers, and so far we're batting a 1,000 on those Oiler picks. And uh, You know what? I'm going with the Dallas Stars over the Nashville Predators. The Stars are finally Roll set opener. to play a hockey game for the first time since the Stanley Cup Final. They're long overdue. I'm thinking they'll have a lot of jump in their legs after sitting and sitting and sitting for a while. So give me the Stars, your Western Conference finalists, uh, to take care of business tonight on the ice. Hull, I know it's going to be a great week of sports. Four o'clock start tomorrow here on Sportsnet 650 as the Habs and the Oilers are the early one on hockey night. And then some football as we find we'll have our Super Bowl set for Tampa Bay. 
by Sunday evening, James. Championship Sunday. Canucks back at it. Don't forget it's an afternoon start tomorrow for Vancouver and Montreal. Round number three. You got UFC 257 with Conor McGregor tomorrow night as well. And just on a closing note, uh, you know, RIP to the late, great Hank Aaron, who passed away this morning at the age of 86. Uh, If we could all be as kind and respectful as Hank Aaron, the world would be a better place. Have a great weekend, everybody. We're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel, Monday morning, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.